Welcome back. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things, the only network. It's not a network, is it? It's a network. Hey, we're, we're a, a network. New Year, new us, baby. The only network. We're pretty sure that brings you the best, the brightest, the strangest, the sexiest TV shows and films available to stream right from your home in an ocean of streaming networks like us <laughs> <laughs> vying for your attention. We are your lighthouse, your beacons of broadcast, your curators of content. I don't know. I think Andy did better last I week. I know, right? <laughs> you which, know what it really is. the hell out of me. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I was thrown off a little bit because you know how my headphones do that thing where I, they're not like jimmied correctly in the hole. Mm-hmm. That's going on. I can't actually hear my... There it is. <laughs> I got you, buddy. And I didn't want to say anything. So instead, I fucking thought about it while talking. <laughs> Wait a second, Steve. You were, it shocked the hell out of you that I was able to remember? Yeah, because you didn't prepare anything. Oh. You just like walked up to the bat and hit a fucking home run. I was like, um, oh, what? Yeah, Thanks. you're a soccer God player. God damn. What, this you're is a soccer player. <laughs> I don't know. Ooh, feel those kicks? I don't, you don't a soccer player. I don't know sports. <laughs> So let's let me just start off with that. I was absent uh, last week for the No Way Home coverage. I'm, I was very upset to miss that, but it, it was what it was, as my dad used to say. This is the first time all three of us have been in the same recording yes, space we, for like a month or two. Yeah. Omicron be damned. We are together for the Matrix Resurrections. No Decepticons are going to beat us. But I wanted to thank you guys for picking up the mantle. Andy, you did a phenomenal job. Thanks, man. Uh, I'm sorry I, was, I wasn't I was here for Madison. I love having her as a guest. I love what she has to say. I thought she did wonderfully. Um, it was a really fun episode for me to listen to. So first and foremost, I want to get that out there. Hey, really, we just we performed for an audience of one and his name is Chris Red. Mm. Well, I was pleased. I was just clapping and giggling. Actually, it was a really entertaining episode. Um, I chalked that up mostly to because <laughs> Spider-Man was so awesome. Uh, but, <laughs> but you guys did a good job, too. Um, so today, as I alluded to, we're going to be talking about The Matrix Resurrections, a.k.a. The Matrix 4. This movie's been very divisive, so I'm very excited to talk with you guys about that. Before we get into that, we're going to have a robust crossing stream segment. And before any of that, let's go through a little business ventures, right? Talk about some some business news. Got to keep can, those lights on, baby. Got to. Got to. Got to keep those subscriptions fed. Mm. First and foremost, you can email us anytime, day or night. We're talking 24-7, 365. It is online. You can email us streamingthingspod at gmail.com. That's streamingthingspod at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts, your your loves, your desires about TV or film, or, or leave us a special note, or even spam us and you know try to get us to uh, pay money for some of your weird fake business ventures. Um, a lot of people like to do often. that. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people like to do that. Um, so that's- I just found your podcast <laughs> on this service I've never heard of before. Mm-hmm. And we would like to offer our services to you in the way of- you giving food. us money. <laughs> <laughs> what a good deal. So you can do that even. You can also call our voicemail and leave uh, a salacious message, even if, if you're into that kind of thing. I like listening to those most. For sure. And that is 859-757-4051. Uh, yeah, 4051. Yeah, dial that up and, uh, you know, leave us some thoughts. About movies and stuff. Actually, I have a good one. This one's this one's for sure going to happen. So next week, we're going to be talking about our top 10 favorite films 
of 2021. And we're going to have uh, our old friend Alex, friend of the show, Alex, as a guest on the show. So there's going to be 40 amazing films. Some of them be crossed over, right? There'll be sure, some crossover. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, 26-ish films <laughs> from 2021 talked about. We would love to hear your thoughts on your favorite, you know, one or two films of 2021. So you can dial that number. It's in the show notes as well. And just talk about your favorite movies and favorite movie experiences of 2021. Yeah, you don't have to call and let us know, like, all 10 of them. But, yeah, if there's, like, a particular movie you want us to talk about that you think is your favorite film or one of your top favorite films... Send us in a voicemail or uh, or an email. One of the two. Like we, we'll read them on air. We'll play them on air. Yeah, it's going to be a hoot. Yeah, we're going to make a, a romp, a giant end of year event out of it, and we want to hear from our, our listeners and fans and uh, put them on the air as well. So please do that. It's going to be an audio hoot nanny. Yeah, that's actually the literal <laughs> I love the term. Word. That's a literal term. Uh, soup to nuts. Awesome. <laughs> We want to uh, thank our Patreon subscribers. Uh, you can subscribe to the show at patreon.com slash streaming things and uh, be privy to bonus content of all shapes and sizes. Uh, we are growers, not showers here at streaming yeah. things. Please be aware of that. We're going to have a new poll coming out in the next week <laughs> about what our uh, big old poll is going to be coming out on that stream or on, on the uh, Patreon to discuss, uh, to vote on what the next big movie that we do for for you guys. Did you, uh, did you get my my submission for that i did i wasn't a hundred percent sure if you were joking or not it was literally like I, I opened the text and typed it immediately and then read it at the same time you did probably and laughed so I, I say leave it in you sent it but the moment you said it i was busy doing something and i thought I, I have to i need to follow up with chris to see if he's joking or if that's for real but then i forgot to follow up until this very moment well i was joking but i'm also serious does that make sense i'm yeah. so curious are we not allowed to say what it is right now probably what was your nomination, Andy? Show. I haven't nominated anything yet. I didn't know I was supposed to have one. Oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got kidding. one. I got one. Okay. Yeah. Clerks. You're nominating the original Clerks. Original Clerks. 1994. Kevin yes. Smith. Gotcha. Steve. I didn't have one ready. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> we were just going to post it on Patreon. I was like, I got time to figure this out. I nominated Paul Verhoeven's Showgirls. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> So anybody that wants us to watch that together and talk about that, I can't vote for wait. me, baby. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm going to have a pillow in my lap the whole time. Oh, we'll have an official announcement on the Patreon. We'll also have it on, we'll announce it on Twitter as well. So yes. if you want to get in on that, please do. Just like our current Patreon subscribers, we would like to give a shout out to Phil. Thank you, Phil. Hi, Carmelita. Phil. Hi, Carmelita. Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Enza. Hi, friend. Cake. Thank, Thank you, Cake. Cake. Katie. Hi, Katie. Daniel. Hi, Daniel. Jimmy. Hi, Jimmy. Sarah. Hi, Sarah. And E. Lopez. Hi, E. Lopez. You all Do you are prefer to go by E? one in this Matrix so, universe. They can't respond. That's right. I forgot how this works. Shouldn't we call him Elo? Perhaps. Elo. Low-hanging fruit. Mm. J-Lo. E-Pez. Elo. <laughs> J-Lo. Elo. I thought you were going with an Elon thing, but Elo makes way more sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's do that from now on. Thank you, Elo. Uh, I think that's all the business news that we have for today. Word. Which brings us to our crossing stream segment. Crossing streams is a segment where each week we talk about the things we've been watching since last we met. We try to titillate, if possible. Perhaps turn you on to something you didn't know about, and you might want to stream yourself. That's the purpose of this segment. Yep. Tittle, tittle, tittle. And oh boy, is it fun. Andy, 
Have you got anything to offer our dear listeners this week in the ways of streaming? Yeah, man, it's the holiday break. So uh, this time more than most, uh, we get opportunities to watch some stuff. Did you guys watch a bunch of holiday movies this year? I did not. No, I will reveal that when it's my time. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Spoiler. I mean, you, you could I just my time. Maybe. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, So um, I had a wonderful Christmas, by the way. Uh, everything was great. I got an air fryer. Oh yeah, I forgot to ask and, you guys how your holidays and it's were. It's cool. Uh, I got an air I fryer. Legitimately for my didn't care. <laughs> and I have air fried so many things. I've only had it for. What's a the best of thing days. you've air fried? Uh, chicken wings, by far. Mm. I uh, I went to Kroger and got some chicken wings from the butcher and had some Cajun seasoning and I tossed them in buffalo medium sauce oh mm. baby dude they turn out so good that yeah they make amazing. everything the best possible version of it yes. like you know wings are best crispy everybody knows that mm-hmm. like a little crisp on the skin a little crisp on the skin but, but then you nice want the juicy meat, meat. Be juicy and yeah. falling off the bone air fryer dude, pulls it right off crushed it anyway uh so i got to hang out at my girlfriend's uh parents house for most of christmas and we watched a couple of holiday movies which was fun we saw for the first time in a very very long time the original Home Alone, directed by Chris Columbus, starring mm-hmm. Macaulay Culkin. Um, Die Hard for Children. What? <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair point. What a, what a joyous movie, man. It's so much fun. It, I, I was having flashbacks of watching it with my family when I was a kid, because it's probably been that long since I've watched it. Like when uh, Macaulay Culkin is trying to make it look like all the parents, all the family's still at home and uh, Joe Pesci and uh, other dude are coming up to break in. And he's like, yeah, it cuts Macaulay Culkin on the, in, on the inside. And he's like controlling all these mannequins with strings. Yeah. And he's got like a the Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan cut out on a train. And yeah, dude, it's so good. And I was just having flashbacks to watching that with my family. I actually like started tearing up a little bit thinking about like my Christmases with my family back in the day and stuff this year, obviously being the first one without mom was a drastically different experience for me. Um, but I made the most of it and I had a lot of fun with uh, people that I did hang out with. And uh, it was wonderful. We watched um, that, which I also want to say it's directed by Chris Columbus. I got big Harry Potter vibes from this. Just like stylish. I didn't know where you were going with that. I got a big Harry. And I was like, I don't, okay. <laughs> big Harry Potter vibes because he directed the first two Harry Potter movies. Um I also got big hairy bone. <laughs> God damn it. Um, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> but no, stylistically, uh, like the way it's shot and the uh, comedic timing um, and re- really just the cinematography more than anything. And I checked and it's not the same cinematographer. Um, so it's 100 percent then just like the Columbus style. Um, it, it, it was paced similarly, uh, a lot of like dramatic push ins at certain key times that like as he did in the uh, first two Harry Potters, it was wonderful. And I had, a, uh, having just rewatched all the Harry Potters and stuff, and I'm still going hard on my re reads and rewatches, but I'll get back to that on another, at another time, once I've made a little more progress. Anyway, so we watched Home Alone uh, with Sarah's parents. And then, uh, then we watched Elf, uh, directed by John Favreau, starring Will. One of my Ferrell. very favorites. Uh-oh. It's great. It's great. Such a dramatic pause. Yeah. Well, well, here's the thing. I mean, it's Harold is like one of the greatest Christmas movies all t- of all time. And it's not that to me. I mean, it has some fun moments, but uh, I also like, you know, you guys know how I get like superhero fatigue uh, with all the Marvel movies and stuff. I big time got Will Ferrell fatigue in the like early 2000s. I just burnt Oh, in the over. early 2000s. Yeah, because like early 2000s is like when like Talladega Nights and fucking Step Brothers and fucking Elf and like he had like two or three movies out a year. You yeah. know what I mean? 
and I just burn out on it. Like, um, so like I didn't see Step Brothers until like a year or two after it came out because I was just like, I don't give a shit, man. Like it's Will Ferrell being Will Ferrell. Sweet. You know, I, I've seen enough of it. So anyway, um, I have always had kind of a sour taste in my mouth from Elf just because like I saw it when it came out or around when it came out. And I was like, oh, that was fine. But never, ever went back to it until this time. So this is like the second time I've ever seen it. Um <coughs> When I saw that in the theaters, I, uh, I remember I, we saw it in the Springdale cinema, which is pretty far up North from us mm-hmm. currently. Um, and I guess that it was sold out, but I guess they oversold seats or th- people were just sneaking in that shouldn't have been there. And I actually, the first time I saw elf in theaters, I watched it sitting on the steps of the movie theater because <laughs> there weren't seats available. So I was just sitting on the steps like, this is fine. <laughs> I hate myself. I'll just watch it here. Why is it sticky? It's so sticky. <laughs> but yeah, uh, no, it was great. Uh, I had forgotten that Zoe Deschanel was in it, and that was awesome when she popped up. I was like, oh, fuck, I forgot. Um, so that that was Peter Dinklage cool. is in it. Peter Dinklage, yes, again, that that was also like... <laughs> James Conn. James Conn's in it. <laughs> yeah. Being his it, most James Conn mm-hmm. self. It, it has a wild cast. And it, I mean, it, it's super enjoyable. I, I uh, it, It's not like the pinnacle of Christmas movies for me, but I, I had a good time with it. Her parents are real funny. They're, they just kind of like talk to themselves when they watch movies. So like her dad several times would be like, he's fucking stupid. <laughs> just like while, while he's like doing, doing some dumb thing. And, but her mom's more of like a sweetheart about it. And she's like, oh, he likes the way she sings. <laughs> and like, she's not like starting a conversation with anybody. She's just talking out loud. And I'm just like, it just made her so happy. She had to express it. Meanwhile, I'm there. I just, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just sitting. I'm sitting there dying inside because they have motion smoothing on, and I'm just oh, like boy. desperately waiting for somebody to leave the room. Yeah, so you I never fixed that. Off. No, I didn't. I was oh, like, God. Andy was texting us about it while he was over there. Like, guys, I'm in code red. Code red. We're thinking, <laughs> what's wrong? What's wrong with this family gathering? They got motion flow on. Get out, brother. Get out. I'll, I'll call you. I'll give you an excuse. I mean, they probably don't know, man. You owed it to them, and you just let yeah. them suffer this whole time. Yeah. They're like, man, our TV's weird. <laughs> that's like you stumble upon some other cavemen and they're just uh, cuddling for warmth and you get a lighter in your pocket and you're just like, nah, prime, <laughs> that's some prime directive shit, Andy. Also, and I had not seen one of these in fucking forever. It was a 3d TV. Remember when that was a thing? Oh yeah. For like three months. I didn't see any glasses sitting around. So I, was, I, I didn't get to try it out, but so I it lo- what you're saying is it looked fucking terrible. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyway, it's almost unwatchable and they were talking through it. (laughs) (laughs) So even the audio was ruined. (laughs) Anyway, I had a great Christmas. Uh, So last night I uh, watched a couple of movies. Also, I I rewatched with Sarah. It was her idea. Uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which is my favorite movie of all time. Uh, Directed by Michelle Gondry, written by Charlie Kaufman. Um, That movie, every time I watch it, I see something new. And that happened again this time. Just like little things where the whole conceit of the movie, everybody knows this. It's about a guy who's having his memory erased uh, to try to forget a relationship that he was in because the girl had already done the same thing and uh, had him erased from her memory. Something occurred to me today or when I watched it last night that I had never thought of before. And that is she probably went through the exact same thing that he did. And we just didn't get to see that side of it. We only saw his half. So the whole meet me in Montauk thing, she was there too. Which to Hmm. me says when she had her memory erased and she probably changed her mind partway through and wanted to remember him, 
they had a similar ending of her experience where he said, meet me at Montauk in Montauk. And then he was there too. And I thought that that was beautiful and it had never occurred to me before. And it made me love that movie so much more to think about like everything else that could have happened that would just happen behind the scenes that you don't think about until you watched it fucking 300 times, 20 years later, (laughs) you know? Um, So anyway, yeah. Did she like it? uh, She fell asleep halfway through, uh, which is pretty much. Was it the motion flow? (laughs) (laughs) At one point she woke up and had me pause it and explain everything that had happened up to that point. And I'm like. Well, I can try, but because the movie's pretty <laughs> fucking she's never ca- seen it before. Correct. Mm, yeah. The movie's pretty Still never chaotic. Seen <laughs> right. <laughs> she's, she's seen a third of it. Right. For the first like 20 minutes or so, it is very much a what the hell is going on. There's lots of loud noises mm-hmm. and uh, lots of flashing lights. I'm not sure what's happening. And then around like 20, 30 minute mark, then it starts to make sense. And so I had also uh, air fried some mozzarella sticks. So we, oh, uh, okay. uh, the cheese kicked in yeah, and, and she, okay. she was out. So I, I can't blame her That's for that. Completely understandable. All right. I also do blame her because she brought me the air fryer. So, you know, <laughs> it's her fault. The mozzarella sticks happen. Uh, and then last night I watched another movie. Um, I watched Ridley Scott's newest, um, uh, film, the last duel written by, uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. And I think one other person was a writer on that as well. Yes. Um, a, a woman very much needed. Importantly. Yeah. Um, not to just to say a woman, I just don't know her name. I don't listeners. I'm sorry. (laughs) And a woman established screenwriter (laughs) that Steve is going to look up while Mm -hmm. I stall for time. Yes. Anyway, Andy uh, doesn't work. If you just say that to stall, (laughs) I really, I really hope I'm pronouncing her last, last name correctly. Nicole Holofcener. Yeah. It's gotta be ours. H-O-L-O-F-C-E-N-E-R. Holofcener. Holofcener. How would you say that? Uh, I believe the O-L-O is silent. So it's just. Hulfner. Okay. I'm kidding. But you fucking bought it. I bought it. (laughs) Anyway. Nicole. We love you, Nicole. Nicole helped Ben and Matt write this uh, screenplay. I thought it was okay. Um, I love the idea of it. I love the whole concept of uh, telling the same story from multiple perspectives and uh, noticing the differences in the way that people uh, view themselves as the protagonist in their stories and how... uh, you, you, you see yourself as the hero, even when you may or may not have been a piece of shit. Now, the issue that I have with it is as a result of that, the whole concept of it being um, an unreliable narrator due to the perspective of it, we are seeing these uh, characters acting as they would not because that's we're, we're seeing the stilted version of them. And so in the way that it was directed and the performances that we got from Matt Damon and Adam Driver and uh, Jody Comer, um, mostly with Matt Damon and uh, Adam Driver, I, th- I think that the lead, yeah, the female protagonist did fantastic. But for the other two, they felt stilted. They felt it felt like I was looking at them as they were not acting, or a- a- as their character would not act, and so then it did that did not feel like a real character. It felt like a parody of a character, and then they do it again because we're, then we see the site we see. Uh, um, Squire Legree's uh, perspective and then we see again the stilted perspective of them and so to me we didn't get any kind of genuine here's the character performance and I understand that that's the whole conceit of the film we didn't get a genuine character performance until over halfway through the movie and then it's not they're not from it's not from their point of view anymore so they're barely in it so we hardly get the how they really were perspective and so 
I just was underwhelmed by the performances for the majority of the film because of this. And mm. so it felt to me then like watching, oh, here's Matt Damon with a mullet acting <laughs> like Matt Damon pretending to be a dude not really being himself. And then here's Adam Driver just being a hunk of a man as he always is. The fuckable mountain. And but <laughs> some somehow stilted and not charming at all. And all of these women at court are wooing over, isn't he so handsome? Isn't he so charming? And I'm just sitting here like, honestly, not really. And I know he can be, so I'm kind of oh surprised. My gosh, right I'm now. like on the opposite side of this fence with Andy, because I'm looking at Adam Adam Driver that whole movie. I'm like, I get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get it, girl. Yeah, he plus especially like dark age man. standards. He's yeah. very dark age is charming. I mean, what he what survived the, the black plague. Have? They have mullet Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Up against Carouge. Mullet Matt Damon, who's depicted as probably like five foot six in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely little man syndrome with a mullet. Anyway, um, I, I think that uh, the female lead was by far the best part. Uh, her nuance in her performances throughout the three perspectives was phenomenal. Jody's great. Yeah. Um, what a year she's been having, man. Cause yeah. she was in that free, free guy. guy. She was in, she had a small role in, uh, rise of Skywalker, which whatever, but oh, that's cool. She's, uh, Ray's mom. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Uh, I thought she was Tarkin. <laughs> that would have been on. She could pull it off. She yeah. could. I, I mean, after watching the last duel, she could. <laughs> so anyway, um, well, I'm I, sad you didn't like it more. I didn't, I didn't dislike it. I just, I thought I was going to, I watched it because I'm trying to catch up with some of my big misses of 2021 mm-hmm. in order to be prepared for our next episode. And I, <laughs> so I watched it thinking that it would maybe be on my top 10 and it may, cause I haven't watched that moving movies that absolutely blew me away, but I also don't want it to be another tenant. You know, where I'm just like, it's just on there because I, I saw it. I, I will be sorely disappointed if Tenet isn't number 10 on the list. <laughs> <again> this <year. laughs> just because it has 10 in the name, Andy has to put it on there. It's like, well, I, I bought it on Blu-ray, so it's new to me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's pretty much everything I've been streaming. Other than that, I've been listening on Libby again. Uh, the library. The library. <laughs> I've been listening to uh, Kazuo Ishiguro's new book, um, Clara and the Sun. It's about a, um, an AF, which is an artificial friend, which is to say a doll that has an artificial intelligence installed into it. Uh, it's from that doll's perspective. After the doll is purchased by a young girl, it's set in this dystopian future where uh, children are all taught from home and uh, there's very little socializing in their lives. And so it's kind of a standard for middle to upper class families to buy an AF in order to... Uh, properly socialize their child and have them experience some like semblance of uh, human interaction with someone their age, even though this is not really a human uh, or just AIs are so advanced at this point that it's essentially human. And this is very much a uh, doll that can think for itself. And we know that because it's the perspective that we're given in this book. And it's and very it's, cool. And then so it like, becomes Chucky. Right. It's kind of, <laughs> no, not really. Um, and so it's real neat because like there's this, um, naivete and uh wonder of the world and like it's called clara and the sun uh because like the sun to clara the doll is like a god figure and the sun is he because uh they're solar powered and so it's like he gives his energy he gives his warmth he gives his you know life and etc and uh yeah, there's. I, I'm about uh three quarters of the way through it so i don't want to i can't definitively say uh 
how fantastic it is or not, because, you know, it may shit the bed in the end. But uh, so far, it's one of my favorite books that he's written. Uh, he wrote Never Let Me Go, which is one of my favorite books ever. Uh, that, that was also adapted into a wonderful film with Andrew Garfield. Um, but uh, yeah, so far, I, I, I've been enjoying the shit out of it. Yeah, that's everything I've been streaming. Nice. Steve? Well, I'll I'll begin my Crossing Street segment by, you know, telling you a little bit of a tale. Mm, story uh, time. The tale is, you know, we just celebrated Christmas. That mm-hmm. was a couple days That's ago. That's a tale as old as time. As old as time, or at least as old as Jesus. we <laughs> 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 uh, good. And, uh, you know, as the spirit of Christmas, similar to what Andy did, you watch Christmas movies around the time of the season. So naturally, I didn't watch a single Christmas movie until the day after Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as you do. Just in remembrance. But that movie that I watched, that Christmas movie that I watched. Oh, I know what December it is. December 26th was a little movie called Happiest Season. Wow. Yeah. Oh, Thank you so much. Surprise. This is, this is my Christmas gift to you, Chris. <laughs> I watched the Kristen Stewart Christmas movie. Yay. <laughs> I watched that on Christmas. Um, I've been meaning to watch this for a while. I'm, it blew my mind. Like, I feel like this movie's brand new, but it's actually like, what, two or three years old? At this no, point? it came out in 2020. Was this 2020? Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I've been wanting to see it for a while. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm not really sure. I don't really follow her movies that much. So. Yeah, no, you're just you're, you're just a cash, casual fan. <laughs> yeah, cash case too. Yeah, you know, you're a big Victor Garber fan, really. <laughs> well, really, Dan Dan Levy, you know. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it, so it's a movie set set around Christmas. But the real, I don't even think it's about Christmas. It just takes place around Christmas. It's, it's more about um, two uh, gay women struggling to come to home to the holidays to a family that doesn't know that they're out yet. Um, and it's such a, you know, it's such a heartwarming movie in terms of like, you really love. So Kristen, Kristen Stewart's main character. She is dating uh, Harper who is played by Mackenzie Davis. And I love Mackenzie Davis. they're, they're in a relationship. They're very, very happy. Mackenzie Davis's character loves Christmas. And like she, she like in a fit of passion, um, Abby, who is Kristen Stewart's character, uh, doesn't really enjoy Christmas as much. And she's like, hey, I will prove to you that you'll love Christmas by waking up next to me. Why don't you come vi- come with me to my parents' house this weekend? And it's like, oh, sure. But then the next morning arrives and Mackenzie Davis's character is like, oh, actually, uh, I, that was a little premature. Uh, I haven't <laughs> actually told my parents I'm gay and that we're dating. And so it becomes this awkward, like, well, hey, will you come meet my parents anyway? They'll see how awesome you are. And then after the holidays, I'll tell them and they'll already know how great you are. And that's the plan. But it becomes this really, it's it's really heartbreaking in a lot of scenes because, you know, Kristen Stewart's very open and comfortable with herself, but she's, you know, pretending not to be gay. And she's watching her partner kind of pretend they don't have this type of relationship when it's the holidays and her family's trying to hook her up with her old high school boyfriend and stuff like that. Uh, and, and, and it's really, really, it's such an incredible movie. And like, I cried several times watching it. Yeah, man. Um, and uh, Dan Levy's hilarious in it. Um, it's got a great cast. Alison Brie's in it. Alison Brie's her her other sister, her older sister. Uh, which Alison Brie, and I then Aubrey still, Plaza plays her ex girlfriend, and it's a really good movie. Yeah, it's a phenomenal cast, and, and you know, I I love uh, Alison Brie so much. I think she is one of the most versatile actresses around. Like she can play so many different characters. Like in this movie, she plays like the really shrewd and kind of mean older sister. But it's not 
hundred percent that like by the end of the movie, it's not like, Oh, this one's a bitch. It's like, no, she, there's a point they're competitive to, sisters, yeah. but like she's, she cares for her sister ultimately. Right. And yeah. then their, their third sister is hilarious. I love her. I was, I'm trying to find her on it's Jane, right? Yeah. Played by Mary Holland. Uh-huh. What else is she in? Cause she was just an absolute joy. I think she's been in some, uh, like like cult shows and stuff with lesser roles, but yeah, she was phenomenal. Yeah. She, she plays the, she's the youngest sister, right? Yeah. She's like the, the young, but she's like the socially awkward and she likes sister. the beautiful part about her character is she knows who she is and she likes it. Yeah. And that's her strength. Mm-hmm. But of course, you know, most people think she's a goober. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. Like I, the whole movie, I just kept thinking like, man, I would love to hang out with her. Yeah. <laughs> and by the end of the movie, there's one character that seems to glom onto her. And I'm just like, I love that. Yes. Yeah. Make them best friends. I love it. Uh, but yeah, overall happy seasons. I'm, I'm really, really glad I saw it. It's definitely, you know, I, last week I mentioned that it's a wonderful life is my favorite Christmas movie. And this is up there. I don't know if it'll surpass it, but it's definitely like two or three. Good. I really, I'm glad really I'm it. not going to be the only wow. one in the world on Christmas watching happiest season <laughs> every year. No, it was great. <laughs> um, let's see. I also continue my watching of the next generation. I think I, I've completed season one. It's an interesting time, you know, because, you know, that mo- the, that show originally came out in what the late 80s, like 89 or something. like I don't that. know. Is uh, TNG really that old? It's pretty old. Or I think it was like 89 or 90. It's like super old. But it's it's so interesting to watch because they're 45 minute long episodes, but they meander in this way that's like, you know, back then when people watch TV, it's not like now. 87. 87. Steve, wow. we came from before 89 or 90, so you can't call that super old. I, I mean, I'm super old. I don't know about you, man. I wake up every morning. I feel it. There's <laughs> also a Degrassi, the next generation. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> Let's fucking go. Let's do it, baby. I nominate that. <laughs> but no, like it's it's interesting because you know I guess when people would watch TV back then, it was much more of like um, I just want something comfortable to watch that's not really going to engage me, uh, pun intended. Uh, so engage. And so it is just like they're all. Just I don't kind of watch Star Trek. Awkwardly <laughs> shuffling around from set to set, like what are we gonna do? Oh, there's aliens. Well, shit. <laughs> Isn't that a hoot? Can we beam them aboard? No. Well, we never can. Um, <laughs> our shields up. <laughs> Make it so. Uh, but it, but it's but, but I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm really liking to see where it goes. But uh, and then uh, moving on to a movie I got to see with Chris on Christmas Day, uh, and that is uh, the new holiday classic. The new holiday classic, Licorice Pizza. We finally saw it. It finally came out. Around we our, yeah. our city, a whole episode to, in hype for this movie. I haven't gotten to see it yet, and then it wasn't available in our city. <laughs> right. I mean, we live in a big city. Cincinnati's not a small city, right? That's yeah. the fucking state of the movie theater system. Don't get me started. But they started. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but in like the early maybe December twenty first or so, they started canceling shows of everything and putting more theaters available for Spider Man No Way Home. Yeah. That makes sense. And I, right. Like financially, I get it. But I was like, no, I stopped. You know, I had already waited an extra month and a half to see this Paul Thomas Anderson film. And now they originally had canceled the showing that I bought us tickets for and uh, stuck some Spider-Mans in there. And I was like, you fucking bastards. Why do you need 16 Spider-Mans for everybody to watch it a fourth time on Christmas? It is really good, I, though. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. I did see Spider-Man a third time this week as well. Dang. Really? Wow. Yeah. I've only seen it the once. I'm slacking. I've seen, well, uh, I, so I saw it opening day, 
And then friend of the show feels like, hey, my wife actually wants to see it. I'm like, call her now before she changes her mind. Let's go see it. And then the next day, uh, my ex wanted to go see it. So I went and saw it with her. Awesome. Um, but yeah, so licorice pizza, I. Yeah. Howard, now that you've had a few days, what do you think? I've had a few days. I love. Let's set the stage. I love its individual parts more than the sum of them. Hmm. So parts. as an overall movie, I think it's okay. Uh, but the movie's structured almost like five short films. Vignettes. Five vignettes, almost. Uh, like there's definitely like planes of action that only happen in their allotted time. And then they're not really referenced ever again. Uh, the individual quote unquote vignettes or short films, however you want to call them, are really, really great. Like if, if, if it was just, if I just saw these five individual pieces separately, I would probably love them immensely individually. But the fact that the narrative glue that's holding all these things together is this relationship between these two characters that I just don't, whose relationship I don't buy. And I'm also, and, I, and this may be the point of the movie too. I'm actively rooting against because uh, you know, I don't want to spoil too much about the movie, but like one of the, 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 the guy, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's kid, what's his name? Colin Hoffman, Cooper, Cooper Hoffman, uh, excellently acted by the way. Everyone's amazing. This isn't a, I didn't some, know he had a kid that acts. That's awesome. I think it's his first movie. I think it looks just like him. It's crazy. Um, awesome. but like all the actors are doing a phenomenal job. Everyone's doing great. I just didn't, I just think the character he plays is a shit. So every time he would pull the the main lead actress back into his orbit and they're like, oh, they're getting back together. I just kept, I was, I just kept thinking, run away from this kid. He's awful for you. He's not good. S- stop doing this. Stop <laughs> doing that. <laughs> She'd still be taking pictures of kids for work if it wasn't for him, Steve. He says that to her. <laughs> He's a bastard. He's 15. Who was not a bastard at 15? Yeah. And also, like, it's a movie that's actively making you be like, yay. I want this 25 year old woman to date this 15 year old. Mm, Here's the thing, (laughs) which I get like, I don't think it is saying that. And now there's a couple scenes that I guess we can't talk about without spoilers that like statutory actively, (laughs) actively work against that. Uh, Like, you know, there's a, there's a scene where somebody flashes another person. Right. And like, that's like actively against that. But I think it's just the whole idea of, a different kind of love. And I don't know. I'm not def- sure. I get that. Like, I think it's never intended to come off as romantic and like well, that, we, as the viewer are the weird ones, the way that the movie ends the way, like it, cause like, and I don't want to get too spoilery, but the way the movie ends where it kind of cements something about the relationship, the way that that comes about is so like, ah, uh, that's a really weird takeaway yeah. from this. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. And I, I, I'm I'm having a hard time speaking honestly about it. It's obviously a very taboo subject. And I'm torn between, you know, trying to figure out how I really feel, knowing that all the critics and stuff that I love think this is the best movie of the year. And also having such a deep love of Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea of telling awkward, weird stories, obviously. Yeah. Right. Like that's something we should be allowed to do. However, I'm just in this. It's like, I don't mean to be like sound like a neckbeard right winger or whatever. But I think it's a legitimate thing to think about as a thought experiment, because there's a lot of critics on Twitter as we speak, making fun of people who are weirded out by this movie. 
uh, actively. Like it's a huge Full thing. Disclosure. It's, it's trending today. Full disclosure. The, the, the age difference thing, even though I brought it up, that's not really the thing that weirds me out because okay. you, you buy that there is an attraction to these people. What, what I don't like about it is I just don't think that character's a good person and I feel like she I th- is. I find it funny that, that you think he's a fully her, formed person to be judged at he's 15. He's not a fully formed person. <laughs> she shouldn't be in a relationship with him. No, right, right. Uh, and 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 I and I just my heart sinks every time they they come back to because the movie has them like separate several times and come back their lives come back together and every time they come back together my heart sinks because I'm like, girl, you could girl, you can be so much more than this, and but for whatever reason and and I think that's maybe the beauty of the movie is that it's causing that dialogue. And like I said, the individual vignettes that the, the, the situations that they find themselves in are, amazing. I agree with you. There's this movie is actually really funny, super funny. And going into it, I didn't expect it to be as funny as it was. It's honestly incredibly funny. Yeah, it's, it's closer to boogie nights than, than yeah. the master for sure. <laughs> like the, the bit with Sean Penn and the Tom master, Waits. not funny. Um, not a funny, movie. not a funny movie. <laughs> Bradley Cooper steals the movie. Make me. Yes. Um, Bradley Cooper was the best part. Like that vignette was the best part by far. That was hilarious. There's a scene during that where I literally like this. This doesn't happen often, but I was so embarrassed for the character that it was hard to watch. Do you know what I mean? Like (laughs) I was trying to hide my my face in my hands or like look at the chair because (laughs) he was in such a pickle (laughs) that he got himself in. And that 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 knows that that tells you you're invested in what's going on. And, 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 you know, PTA is a master of that. And he makes some really interesting um, director of photography choices. Uh, like we were talking about this briefly. Yeah, where a lot of close-ups in that movie. A lot of close-ups. Unflattering ones. Yes, everything's overexposed. Like the uh, the background lighting is this is blown out completely white. Uh, if they're shooting a film at night, it's um, it's almost as if they're shooting on a DSLR and just crank the ISO because Super there is just so much digital noise happening. Um, so it's not like a pretty. But it takes film, place in the what, takes, early seventies. So yeah, it it's takes like, place in the seventies, so it fits, mm-hmm. and that's why like. As I was watching, I was like, this is like, if someone told me like, oh, let's shoot this overexposed, my reaction as someone who films stuff is like, no, you can't do that. That's, is that that's what that was, overexposed? Yeah. Because as soon as the the credits, the opening credits ended and the movie came into frame, it looked like Porky's or something like that quality. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which was shot in the early 70s. So right, it's like, yeah. oh, fuck. Wow. And it didn't look digital. It looked like, holy shit. How they, where do you find the shitty film stock? You know, yeah. <laughs> but sometimes overexposings the background like that is done for artistic reason. Like, yeah, and that's what they're the, doing here. The yeah. favorite, the, I love that they uh, did not ND the windows mm-hmm. within that castle because it give you, gave you this sense of seclusion for the people right. that are running around inside because they're, they're isolated and you know, they live their own lives. So I actually really like that. So does it, does it work for you? It works for me in the fact that like what Chris alluded to was um, it's, it's trying to capture a movie of that time. And I think these, these uh, quote unquote imperfections lend to that. Okay. Uh, it def- it's definitely a choice that I think is a good choice. I'm not, I'm not criticizing. I'm just trying to articulate why that's an interesting mm-hmm. thing that I picked up on. Uh, there's one thing that is for sure though. Um, Alana Haim, is that her name? The main actress? Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe so. I mean, she comes whole, from the band whole, Haim. Her whole family's in it. Yeah, Alana Haim. Uh, Alana Haim was absolutely fucking phenomenal. Yeah, she's um, great. Breakout star. She'll probably have Oscar nods and a, a, an illustrious career. Um, I wanted to like this movie more than I ultimately did, if I'm being honest. 
Um, it's one of those movies where it's like, and that's happened to me a few times this year. Uh, as we'll talk about soon, it happened to me again. In addition to this, it happened to me with uh, Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho. Just these filmmakers and stars that I adore. And I'm walking down the aisle, throwing my cup away. Like, yeah, I, whoo, boy, that was, that was fucking, oh, I love, ooh, boy, I don't yeah. think I liked it. You know, <laughs> just like, and that's kind of how I felt with Licorice Pizza. But there were some parts that were amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't even know that that was Philip Seymour Hoffman's son until the uh the opening credits you know it's coming into frame and i'm getting that porky's like vibe moment and then uh my friend leaned to me and said because he knows what a huge fan i am philip seymour hoffman is one of my my idols oh yeah he's great and i'm R.I.P. an addict so like his death hit me very hard he leaned over and he was like that's philip seymour hoffman's son and i was like what i didn't know he had a son you know what i mean so i've just i didn't i'm know- just in rapt attention the entire movie like wow i didn't know that going in <laughs> that's either hoffman come and we- <laughs> I didn't know that either. And when he leaned over and said that to you, I heard it. And I was like, and then as soon as he like walked on screen and you with see the, his with face, the hair, it's you're like, he's literally got the same hair as Lester that? bangs from almost famous and everything. That's and I'm awesome. like, Oh my God. Yeah. It, um, it is amazing. Like, I know that's the point of having children is that they, look like <laughs> you, but, like, but wowzer, it still kind of like blows my mind. Yeah. It's, amazing. It's, it was really, and I'm a huge fan to the point. Like I watch hunger games, catching fire and, and weep. When Philip Seymour Hoffman's character comes on screen, he's so like, good. and that's not the movie to like in right. remembrance of him, but he, like his performance is great in that film, by the way. He's always great. And I say that because that literally happened to me like six months ago. My wife was like, let's watch Hunger Games. And I'm like, <laughs> and she's like, this isn't a sad part. And I'm like, <laughs> he, he sure he died. He sharts in a long volley. Like, right. <laughs> oh my God. So that's, that's oh Cooper my Hoffman. Doesn't God, look just like, like him. That's crazy. Bonkers. Super cool. But I, w- I would recommend you see it if you want to be challenged. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and a lot, like I said, a lot of critics, if you look at Letterboxd under Licorice Pizza, it's four and a half stars, five stars, five stars, four and a half stars, five stars. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's just, uh, it's a thinker for me. I, Andy, honestly, I think you'll like it more than either of us. Okay. You, Because uh, you guys can have sometimes more metaphorical minds than I. Mm. Um, do, you, do, do, you, do you get the meaning of the title? What is Licorice Pizza? I do not. Because there is neither licorice nor, as far as I can tell, pizza Mm-mm. featured in this movie. There was neither licorice nor pizza in that movie. Well, I was blessed to stream a lot of things over the holiday break. Uh, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm stuffing things that I think might break my top 10 for our, our end of the year extravaganza. And a lot of things were just coming out all at once. Like, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. We got Spider-Man No Way Home leading right into... Uh, Witcher season two and Nightmare Alley. Oh, I so, watched the first episode of Witcher season two. Yeah, let's stream that as well. What'd you think? Uh, first episode, great. Loved it. Okay, might be one of my favorite Witcher episodes. Yeah, it was Loved, really, really, really good. fucking good. You really know that was start. that was Tormund Giant's Bane. Oh, was it? I yeah, thought he we shaved the beard. So familiar. The shaved beard was like. Oh, because the whole time when the when he's in monster form, I kept thinking like when they reveal what he looks like, I'm gonna be so like happy I know who that is because that guy sounds so familiar. And then when he turned into a person, like, oh, I guess I don't know who that is. <laughs> no, that's a uh, guy with a bunch of J's and stuff in his name. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's, yeah, it's Jor- Swedish Jorgen <laughs> His name escapes me at the moment. Where's the big lady? Uh, so I did. I watched. Uh, I want to talk a little bit, not much, about Spider Man No Way Home just because I didn't get to be here. Obviously. I love that film. I don't know how you could not like that movie. It was one of my best uh, theater experiences ever, probably mm-hmm. just because of going so long without many exper- uh, theater experiences in general, like coming off of being still in the middle of a pandemic. And by the way, a lot of people probably caught Omicron over this past weekend. Great box office numbers though. Um, <laughs> 
yeah, it's just, it was so good having everybody laughing and cheering and, and experiencing things together. Um, and 20 years of things together. Like this was, this was infinity war level experience. Uh, this was, uh, two towers level experience, right? And I only say that one because you have to have some familiarity with it sure, prior, sure. right? Um, so that, that, that's what it was for me. Absolutely loved it. Adore it. Uh, I already got it pre-ordered on Blu-ray. I will watch it many times. Had a, had a blast. Um, I also watched Die Hard. It was the only Christmas movie that I watched uh, in addition to Elf over the, the season. And if you count Happiest Season on Christmas morning, um, I don't really consider that one of my Christmas movies. I just wanted to watch it. I was thinking of case too, as I always do in the morning as I get out and get my coffee. Yeah. And <laughs> Pour your and thought, coffee, you look out the window, you go, what do I case is up to? <laughs> I bet she's also drinking coffee. I bet she is. Uh, <laughs> this coffee's suddenly sweeter. Um, <laughs> uh, I did watch The Witcher season two in its entirety in one day. I uh, wish I hadn't done that because I miss it. I miss those people. My, my review is thus. Uh, I think that the writing, even though it is linear this time and no, there, there isn't the the timeline tomfoolery of season one is a little weaker. Uh, some things that I wanted to be a focus of season two, it turns out probably won't be a focus until season three. And uh, that is partly my own expectations, partly the way it was advertised. And so I was like, dang. However, I've, the character work is so strong that it just goes to show it doesn't matter. Like nothing else matters as much as are these characters not likable, but engaging. And I just am so engaged with Geralt and Yennefer and Yeskir that I really do not care what kind of shenanigans they get into. It's just riveting. Uh, and now, of course, Frey Allen's character, Siri, now that she's becoming more prominent and, mm-hmm. um, and growing up into a, you know, more of a personality other than just child girl with powers. Um, it's, it's riveting to watch. I love those people. I cannot wait for season three, four, five and six and seven, however long they want to go. Is there a banger on the level of toss a coin? There is. Nice. Can't wait. I haven't there gotten is. to watch it yet. And toss I'm very a buck to. to your Witcher. <laughs> you haven't heard it. You haven't heard of it either. But it is a banger. It's more of a show tune than no. I guess it's equally a show tune. Awesome. Burn butcher burn. It's really good. Um, and that is his big debut in the in the season. It's it's cool. Uh, anyway, that's Witcher season two. We'll probably talk more about that, or at least say that we're going to and never do it. Um, I also watched, <laughs> that's a joke for the fans. Uh, <laughs> I also got to go to the movie uh, that same day and watch um, Nightmare Alley, the newest Guillermo del Toro film. Uh, again, this is one of those things. I, I adore Guillermo del Toro. Um, one of my very favorite creators of all time. I think he's absolutely a genius. Uh, and so I was very much looking forward to this movie. It also has some of my favorite performers. Uh, you know, you got Kate Blanchett, you got Willem Dafoe, you got Bradley Cooper. Like this is going to be fucking amazing. And it, it, there's some cast. of it was amazing. The cinematography is phenomenal. Um, he captures the essence of noir, uh, like no one else can do. And it is good for that reason. Like I saw uh, an excerpt of him talking about his own movie and he said something and I'm, I'm going to butcher it because he said it so eloquently, but basically people think noir is like uh, light through uh, blinds and uh, you know, I mean this, <laughs> the camera movements and the, the fedoras and the, the damsel with Looks the like cigarette on that dame. And I, we made a, a noir film uh, some years ago, Andy and I, and I just started chuckling. He's like, that's what I thought noir was. You know, <laughs> he's like, no, those are the cliches. Um, but anyway, so, but he captured the essence of it better, but the pacing of the movie is weird. Like the initial plot point doesn't happen until about an hour in, um, 
which in like the school of screenwriting is, you know, the, the point at which you establish what the movie's about and everyone is used to a certain rhythm and cadence in films. And that usually nine times out of 10 happens at exactly the exact the same time. Uh, and Guillermo said, fuck that. And, and, and put like a hundred, an hour and 10 minute preamble in front of it. And it works. It's an engaging material, but it just leaves you unsettled, which is perhaps intentional. Uh, but all in all, I'm not sure how I felt. I, I just think it's, it's middle of the road del Toro to me is how I think I feel right now. Uh, it's certainly no, no pens labyrinth. Mm. Um, certainly no shape of water, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, but it's not bad. It's not like, Ooh, it was bad. It's still a fucking genius auteur movie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of auteurs, I also saw the prequel to Army of the Dead, Army of Thieves, about the safe cracker from Army of the Dead, the Zack Snyder zombie oh my movie. God, I forgot that that was <laughs> yeah, I forgot that came out. I don't know why I watched that, but I did. And I, I liked it. It's stylized, you know, schlock fest. Was there any zombie? No zombie. Okay. There was some like, he keeps having like dreams because there is an apocalypse going on. Yes. Uh, there's the, the apocalypse is going on in America. And so he's shielded from it in Europe and he's just, it's just a heist movie. Um, so it's kind of like, a, I don't know what it's like. It's, it's unique to itself. And it is interesting. If you like the character that played Dieter, the safe cracker from the original movie, mm-hmm. he was one of the better parts. He is. And it's all him and it's all him being goofy and he loves safes. And it just, there's so much like, um, that guy, like a, such a better movie. Like that guy just doing a safe cracking thing. Like, that's what I want. It kind of was better than Army of the Dead. I'm going to say that. It, it was fun. And there's a lot of Guy Ritchie stuff, like a lot of digital camera going into the safe while the lock mechanisms move around, like tons of that. And I was just fascinated the whole time. Like, I wonder if I, had I the technology, would go in the safe that many times, you know? <laughs> um, but damn it, isn't, it is hypnotizing uh, all the way that they're so intricate locks. Did yeah. you know this? Uh, but anyway, have you seen this? Have you heard about this? <laughs> have you guys heard about locks? Uh, <laughs> I also watched uh, don't look up. The yeah, new movie. I thought of that. I, wa- I watched what, that locks? too. <laughs> no, I watched Don't Look Up. As oh, okay. Well, and I well let's all talk about it. Steve's halfway through it. Fuck him. <laughs> I too uh, have watched Locks. <laughs> <laughs> and I forgot about that. It was a YouTube video. Uh, by the way, Lock is a great movie. It's phenomenal. Um, <laughs> I watched Don't Look Up. It came out, uh, the, the world premiere was on Christmas Eve on Netflix. Uh, it's a phenomenal cast. This is an Adam McKay film. It stars uh, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill. Um, probably forgetting some Tyler huge Perry, stars. Kate Tyler Blanchett, Kate Blanchett, Kate Blanchett, who I didn't recognize as with those teeth. With Kate Blanchett until like three quarters of the way through the movie. I, I knew she was in it and still missed it. Yeah, she's got these crazy eerie prosthetic teeth. Um, I mean, she's basically a Fox News host. Like she, she's yeah, a sure. Foxy News host for yeah. sure. <laughs> well, that's what they go for. <laughs> uh, here's the thing about this movie, and this is all I'll say. I think m- many of our listeners have seen it because it's super viral on Twitter. The con- the whole discourse. A ton of people came out very negatively about this movie, very negatively, like mostly critics that I follow and adore, um, just saying it's it's shallow and smug. And it's uh, it's like a th- one of them said, uh, tweeted, this is like a three hour version of Gal Gadot's Imagine song during the pandemic, <laughs> <laughs> which is funny, right? Uh, or this is the film equivalent to that guy at the party who keeps going on and on about shit everyone agrees with and is not revolutionary whatsoever. Um, I don't think so. I think the on the nose nature of the pl- premise and the jokes is the point mm-hmm. because they're mocking people that can't understand the obvious 
nature of climate change, right? So whatever, I don't think it's going to save climate change or stop anything. I do think it was really cathartic. And uh, after the last two years of watching all the idiots in red hats stomping up and down, doing just mind-bogglingly inane shit, uh, I needed this movie. Mm-hmm. This is a, uh, a, a a snarkier idiocracy is how I took it, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it's That's less funny because we actually live in a world like this, but... I thought it was a riot. I had a great time. I thought that it was really funny. Jennifer Lawrence has this through line that is fucking hysterical. Um, and she absolutely crushed it. And she has kind of been out, out of the spotlight for a little while now. Yeah. Uh, last thing that I remember seeing her in that was like of note was mother. And I think that that was 2018. So it's been a hot minute since I've seen, uh, J-Law being like front and center and uh, I thought that she was phenomenal in it. I agree with Chris that uh, it it was, I I don't think that the uh, movie deserves all the hate that it's getting. Um, I, I, for what it was, I enjoyed it a lot. It wasn't what I expected it to be. I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the advertisements of it. I'm a big fan of space stuff and disaster movies. And so that's kind of what I thought that I was getting. And I didn't, you know, it, mm-hmm. it was more of just like using that as a metaphor for climate change. I, so had I didn't no idea what it was about yeah. other than the cast and the guy behind it. Adam McKay has a lot to do with succession. Uh, and the other guys, I think, is one of the best comedies ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I talk about the soup kitchen all the time. Um, well, he, he's done a bunch of stuff with uh, Will Ferrell, right? And uh, mm-hmm. yeah. recently, wasn't he in the news for like their friendship uh, fell apart when Adam McKay cast somebody else as a character that Will Ferrell wanted to play and didn't tell him? I don't know. I didn't I read that. that. Oh, okay. I don't know. But that is saucy. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I, I want that hot gas. I honestly think the more I read these uh, <laughs> tweets making fun of it, the more I want to just put it in my top 10 and not like in a, a petty way, but I'm just like defending it in my own mind as I read this and then therefore starting to love it more uh, and understand it more. But Leo absolutely kills it. I love J-Law since, since way back. Winter's Bone. I've been a J-Law fan since Winter's Bone, baby. And this is her getting back to her roots because Mother was really interesting Aronofsky stuff. But yeah, I, I think she's strongest with her, her dramatic chops, if you will, right? The dramedies is where she's strongest. Um, and she gets back to her roots with this. And uh, mm-hmm. anyway, that's Don't Look Up. It's on Netflix. I think it's hilarious. And I'm yeah, excited think- for Steve to finish it. I'm, all, I'm, like, I'm like, as you guys said, I'm halfway through. I was literally watching it when you guys walked in. Um, I, I love it so far. I really, you know, maybe it falls apart at the end, but I really don't understand why people are so like up in arms about it. Um, to me, this is just like the big short, but maybe dialed up to like one or two more decibels, mm-hmm. you know? Um, Cause it's big short. So good. Big short. Cause really it's very good. much taking like big ideas and presenting big boring ideas, big and, boring yeah. ideas and, and explaining them in like, you know, really absurdist. I think ways. that this movie is missing Margot Robbie in a hot tub. In a hot in a t- yeah. <laughs> or in a, in a bathtub. In a bathtub explaining. <laughs> One could say in that a bubble bath. Astronomical things, right? <laughs> but I, uh, and I guess I mean you you mentioned like people are saying it's smug, it's snarky, and like I could get that, but at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like. I'm so fucking tired of catering to stupid fucking people and yeah, pretending like exactly. you have to protect idiots uh <laughs> emotions where it's like no call a spade a spade pretend every, and it's not like this movie really like singles out one person or one type of people like it really lashes out at everyone it attacks every angle of idiocy it, it attacks how media operates it attacks how governments operate it attacks how human beings are so focused on social media right now and how they demonize people who are just trying to do the right thing and are just trying to like hey i found out this thing and i'm telling you and people are like slut you know, like, <laughs> and that's why I think the criticism of this movie is so 
off base because their whole argument, as I understand, is like, yeah, of course people are shallow and they're worried about pop stars relationships more than world disasters. Of course, the media is all clickbaity and, you know, and of course, the government is run by corporations and money hungry. What what unique thing do you have to say? And it's like nothing. I just wanted to make a movie making fun of how this is the state of things. And isn't it sad? And like, what the fuck are you talking about? What else do I need to add to this? And it's so um, funny because uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character, I think, at least, again, I haven't finished the movie, but up to the point that I'm at, she's very much the, I feel like she's the everyman who's like, who who's trying to, who's throwing her hands up in the air like, are you guys fucking kidding? Mm-hmm. There's something really important right now. And why are, why are we, and, and people are like, oh, crazy much? <laughs> Let's get crazy <laughs> pants off of here. I love her little <laughs> mannerisms, like just snatching the Xanax out of his hands and stuff. And he's like, what the fuck? And, uh, or I need to get high before we talk to the president, you know, stuff like that is really, really endearing. I do think the movie is slow to get started. That's my only criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, it is over long as well. Andy said he wanted to shave off an hour, which I thought was controversial. <laughs> <laughs> an hour and 10 minutes. Yeah, he's like, it was about an hour too long. I was like, Jesus Christ. It's uh, like 45 minutes too long. Cause it's like a two hour and 45 minute movie or something like that. It's a very long movie. I think it's two hours and 18 minutes. Well, fuck you, Steve. Yeah. That's what I told <laughs> so, yeah, you when so, you said that. I was like, so hour and 20 minutes. You were like, well, no, two hour and 18 minutes. But I get what you're saying. Per, 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 a huge per, chunk of it could be lost. Is well, what you're so saying. then yeah, if, if it's two hours and 18 minutes, shave off 45 would be an hour and a half, right? Be an hour and 18 minutes. I don't think it's okay to make a 90 if minute you shave movie. Off 45 anymore. minutes from two hours and 18. Oh, 45 minutes. Sorry. I thought you said yeah. an hour. Okay. Yeah. No hour and a half. It, it, that's all it needed. And the math checks out. <laughs> but yeah, I like this movie a lot. And uh, I think Steve will too. Andy liked it a lot. So yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, it is available on Netflix. And then finally, real quick, I watched a movie called cop shop. It's not a B movie, but it's not, Super well known. Let's be talk shop about cop talk shop. shop about cop shop. Don't cock block, son. I'm sorry. <laughs> I started <laughs> wanting to spit bars. Uh, this is a movie starring Gerard Butler and Frank Grillo. Um, uh, Grillo is a, a super guilty pleasure of mine. Um, and I really like this movie, especially after watching Die Hard again. Did I mention I watched Die Hard again? I did. Um, <laughs> Because it's kind of like a one location action flick that they don't do that kind of thing anymore. It's almost a one location. A la Free Fire? Yeah, Free Fire. Um, God, that movie should have been way more awesome than it was. Yes, I want to rewatch it. 12 Angry um, Men. Yeah, am I right, boys? <laughs> <laughs> Talking to the other men. Um, <laughs> this movie's really good, though. I mean, the, the action's inspired. It, it's really entertaining and snarky. Uh, the whole conceit is that Frank Grillo is uh, a, a criminal who is being chased by other criminals and knows that he's unable to survive meeting up with them. So he punches a cop and gets himself arrested so that he's in jail, AKA protected. Uh, Gerard Butler plays a mob assassin who also gets himself arrested on purpose. And uh, it's just really funny because he's like a world famous, super deadly assassin. Sounds very smoke and aces. Kind of. Yeah. And so they're both in these old fashioned country jail cells, just separated, but staring at each other. They they each know who the other is and Mm -hmm. the cops don't know who either of them are. So there's this tension there. That's really neat because Gerard Butler like pretends he's wasted drunk and was driving drunk. And then when the cops leave, he like stands up like, Hey, titty, you know, (laughs) and it's just like, oh man, leave me alone. You know, it's, it's really funny. Uh, really cool. Definitely recommend that you guys check it out. I had to rent it on iTunes for like six bucks, but it's worth every damn penny. Hey, that's nice. I tried to wrench French Dispatch on iTunes, and there it's like twenty dollars. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, all I'll, of that. I'll wait. That's I'll why wait. I watched. Uh, I tweeted that morning. That was Christmas morning. That I was going to watch French Dispatch, and then that same thing happened to me. 
So I was like, cop shop for I, six. I saw that tweet and I messaged you like, where? Tell me where. Yeah. It's like, you have to rent it. But I actually watched Cop Shop, friend. Uh, but anyway, that's everything that we've been streaming this week. Let's get on to our review of The Matrix Resurrections. Oh, you're saying I can talk whenever. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, whenever you're ready, hop in. That's the classic. I thought you were waiting for that. The boom. Oh, I don't know the song super well. Uh, it's the classic. Raging Against the Machines, Wake Up, uh, which played at the ending credits of the original 1999 Matrix. Uh, this new one had a cover played through the credits. Um, which is very cool. Nice little callback. And this movie has lots of those. Lots of callbacks. So I'm just going to say right off the top, there will be no spoilers initially. So if you haven't seen the movie... That's okay. But I think most of you have seen it because it's been Christmas. It's available on HBO Max and you guys are, you're all adults. And so I'm sure you've seen it. However, also, just in case. The, the episode title is Matrix. So yeah, come on. Yeah. You know what you're getting into. We just spent an hour talking about <laughs> Nightmare Alley, but we're finally here. We'll give some quick, real quick, <laughs> spoiler free overall thoughts. But I just want to say right from the top, my impression is that neither of you really like this movie. And so I'm going to do my best to defend it because I did. And, uh, this is one of those situations where it's like, of course, art is subjective, but every now and then you just feel so strongly about something. You're like, I, and this is such a douchebag thing to think, but it's like, <laughs> you, you, I'm sure you guys have experienced this where it's like, of course you're entitled to your opinion. And it just didn't mean to you what it meant to me. And that's what it really is. However, I kind of think you didn't get it. You know what I'm saying though? You ever, yeah, you ever think course, that? Yeah. Course. That's where I'm, that's where I'm at right now. But uh, <laughs> Andy, what are your overall thoughts on the matrix? Okay. So this is the fifth best matrix movie. Behind Animatrix? Exactly. <laughs> it took which me a is, second. Which is to say it's the worst of them. Um, this movie felt like a fan fiction written by somebody that didn't really understand what the Matrix was about and just super loved Sense8 and so cast everybody from Sense8 in it. Um, I think that it was... It didn't have Tuppence Middleton and I was sad. I was too. <laughs> I was like looking for Everybody it. else popped up, man. And I was... Or the uh, the Mexican actor. I couldn't remember his name, but... Um, yeah, yeah. He was awesome yeah. too. No, his, either his of beard them. was two in of them. there. But, but the woman was in there. The, yeah. the threesome part. Anyway, I'm a big Sense8 fan. Um, I'm hearing threesomes and Mexican and... Dude, Sense8's fucking... <laughs> Sense8's Sense cool. It's, it's, really cool. Sense8. it's super cool. Um, so I, I like some of what they did with this. Uh, I, I think that that universe is ripe for the pickings. Um, I just am not sure if the Wachowskis are the people to do it at this point. And I don't mean I, I I don't know how to say that without it coming off weird, but they have moved on, I think, with uh, their art and uh, what what they're trying to do uh, with art. And I, I don't know how to phrase that any better. Uh, just point being that the Matrix used to be um, and, and what's hysterical is that they frequently try to acknowledge what the Matrix used to be. Uh, there's a conceit very early on in the film. Uh, with uh, the Matrix. So uh, Neo or Thomas Anderson is in therapy and it turns out he's a video game developer and uh, he is developing a sequel to the Matrix trilogy video games that he made. And uh, we see these board meetings with uh, 
um, people saying like, this is what the matrix means. Oh, it's about capitalism. Oh no, it's about, uh, come to time. Yeah. Come to terms with the, yeah, we need action. Yada, yada. And so it's in that way, it reads like a parody because it's, it felt like, uh, Lana Wachowski grappling with herself on what she had done years ago. And she's like, what was I trying to do? And, couldn't recreate it. And so it it was almost like adaptation that Charlie Kaufman wrote. He tried to uh, write an adaptation of the orchid thief and couldn't do it. And so instead he made a, he wrote a movie about him trying to adapt it. And that's kind of what Lana Wachowski did with this movie. Um, I think that uh, Keanu Reeves is always a treasure. And I thought that he was awesome coming back into the role as Neo. Um, I actually enjoyed the uh, recasting of some of the key characters. Most people shit all over that. I th- I had fun. I love Jonathan Groff and uh, Yahya Abdul Mateen II, um, and uh, I and I love Neil Patrick Harris. And I I think that the way that the, these new new slash old characters were utilized, I thought it was fantastic. I just didn't like the story. It didn't feel like a Matrix movie, and it just felt like a too self-aware retread of things that already happened. And like a solid, like 10 minutes of this movie is just shots from the original. Like literally they just cut to clips from the original and maybe once or twice from the second and third ones. But man, I just, it, it, it wasn't what I wanted. Sure. Steve, what did you think? Um, I don't, so I agree with Andy. This is my least favorite matrix movie. Uh, is that to say that I think it's a bad movie? No, I don't think it's a bad movie. It's just, I, it's, um, there's a lot of incredibly good ideas. Like you can, you can mine a lot of good material out of this, this movie. There's, there's a lot of stuff that I think are minor things that they kind of gloss over. They're like, Oh, here's this part of the world, but that's not the story we're telling. I think some of that stuff is a lot more interesting than the overall big picture that they're telling. Um, I, like Andy said, I think Keanu Reeves and uh, Carrie Ann Moss are like really good in the movie. I think this may be like one of Keanu's like best acting performances. Mm -hmm. Um, He's just, he's crushing it, you know, and you can tell he, both of them, Carrie Ann Moss too, they really care about this role. Um, However, the movie also has a lot of like really strange indulgences that take me out of the movie. There's, aspects to characters that I don't think belong. Um, you, meant, you, you mentioned um, Jonathan Groff and Yaya. And I, while I have no problem with them and I love them individually and I think they're great, I don't think they did a good job of, um, you know, rectifying why they are who they are mm-hmm. and what their roles are in the movie. Um, and, and, and ultimately, I don't think the sequel really validates why it exists. Um, because of, like a lot of the big conflict is very okay. Why are we doing this it again? Has serious what motivation problems for everybody but Neo. Yeah, and also this is the second movie this year that Warner Brothers has put out where a big part of the film is centered around like, man, Warner Brothers sucks. Yeah, it's don't crazy. we suck? We suck so much. <laughs> and it's one of those Give things where like, money. we're like, it's like okay, guys, like. And, and even at one point, they're like, oh, man, well, we got to make another Matrix sequel because if we don't do it, they're just going to do it without us. And it's like that one line almost told me everything I need to know about this movie, where mm-hmm. it's Lana Wachowski like, well, I better make this movie because it's my, you know, that's her art. Uh, uh, and 
<laughs> but she doesn't really want to be doing it. Like, yeah. and I feel like so much of this movie lacks soul. There's so much disconnect in everything. Like, I didn't feel a lot of emotion watching this movie. Um, the action scenes aren't great, but that's like, whatever. You're not going to live up to the original Matrix, no matter how anybody tries. So I wasn't even expecting that. Mm-hmm. But I was expecting to care. And individual scenes were play out where, where individual scenes, not even the whole movie, but just within one individual scene, I would go from, oh, that's a good idea, to, oh, that's really stupid, to, oh, I don't care anymore. Oh, that was good again. Oh, I forgot what we were even talking about. <laughs> and that would go from scene to scene. And so by when the movie ended and the, and the climax of the movie is actually rather dud, I think it just kind of like, meh. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's a pretty profound thing that they're kind of showing us, the way it's filmed and the way it's edited is just, there's no wind in the sails yep. to like get you over the hump. Um, so it ended, I, 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 I got up and I was like, wait, what happened in the first half hour of the movie? Huh? What was it? <laughs> like, I, I, like I just saw it and I was struggling remembering things that I just saw. Uh, and I think that's just a problem with the, a lack of real motivation. And again, I don't think this is a bad movie. There's a lot of great stuff you can mine from it. A lot of great performances. Um, there's a lot of cool scenes. Like there are several scenes that look like, uh, like individual shots that look like Renaissance paintings. And I'm like a real big fan of the those Sense8 shots. is full of those. Um, I thought all that stuff was great, but I think just the overall, like, and I guess that boils down to, I just, I think this movie lacks a soul and it, it's very much like just a corporate, we're bringing back the matrix and like everyone else is kind of like, yeah, okay. So it, it it just doesn't, I don't know. I just, I, I didn't really care for it that much, but Chris, tell me why I didn't get it. No, <laughs> don't phrase it that way. That puts me, that, you're putting the pussy on a pedestal right now. <laughs> and that's me. I'm the pussy. If you don't use it. Um, <laughs> is it true? If you don't use it, you lose it. Um, so a serious question. Hey everybody, Steve from Streaming Things here. I wanted to hop in real quick and warn you, Chris is about to give his spoiler-free review of The Matrix Resurrections, but in doing so, he accidentally spoils Ghostbusters Afterlife, the new Ghostbusters film. So if you're worried about that movie being spoiled for you, just skip ahead three minutes and you'll be good, all right? Actually, make it four just to be safe. Just skip ahead four minutes, you'll be good. All right, thank you. Back to the show. So I forgot to mention that I watched Ghostbusters after life as well. That was a huge part of my crossing streams that I didn't write down for some reason. The only reason that's relevant is because we've gotten a number of uh, what Matt Singer from Screen Crush coined as a legacy sequel. We've gotten a number of legacy Ooh, sequels like this year. Good. Um, we got Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, we got Space Jam. Uh, we got Spider-Man No Way Home, which sort of falls into that legacy sequel category. Absolutely. Geniusly shoehorned as a trilogy ender. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Seriously, um, yeah. which ultimately ended up being uh, an origin story, which is amazing. Halloween kills. That's what oh, that's what Sean was. The, one of our listeners from the show was talking about. You were saying how oh, okay. you loved how Tom Holland had no origin story. And he was like, plot twist. That's what Spider-Man at home was. No way home was, was the, yeah. the ending of his origin story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, uh, I thought Ghostbusters Afterlife was what you are saying. Matrix is just an absolute trash grab that nobody involved had any interest in being a part of at all. I mean, Bill Murray just kind of literally looks like he was super high and happened to wander on (laughs) the set in his Ghostbusters outfit. Oh, fuck. Action. What do you mean? Oh, shit. I just wear this. Uh, (laughs) Spoilers for Ghostbusters. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Sorry. (laughs) 
I'm sorry. I'm just <laughs> felt really passionate about because that's all I could think about. We haven't spoiled Matrix yet, so we stay true to our words. We're just gonna ah. spoil other movies this year. Egon's dead. Um, <laughs> he really is. What are they gonna do? Um, but yeah, I don't want to just trash uh, Ghostbusters the whole time. But the like the little girl actress was phenomenal, and uh, Carrie Coon was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone else, meh. I don't know why you're there. Finn Wolfhard was woofing super soft the entire movie. Woofing um, <laughs> super soft. And I don't. I can't really defend the Matrix Four without spoilers. But I would just say that I think, um, like you had already mentioned, the line. So I guess I can talk about that. There's a line at one point, like the whole conceit, as Andy mentioned, is that Keanu Reeves has been Neo has been put back in the Matrix somehow. That's revealed later, and now he believes he's not a poor cubicle working bastard. He's actually an artistic genius that invented this trilogy quote unquote of video games called the matrix. Uh, and they want him to make a four. So meta, right? Uh, and there's a literal line where Jonathan Groff's character is saying Warner brothers wants us to do it and they're going to do it with or without you. Uh, and that it makes it weird that that same kind of thing was in space jam for sure. Mm-hmm. But the way I took it was Lana put that in and was like, it's a giant middle finger. That's like, fuck you. Right. And oh, so sure I think is. this whole movie is a fuck you. And that's what makes it really interesting that it exists. And, and she I, also has the line, like, did you write yourself into it? Did you model it after you? And he's like, maybe a little too much. Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's absolutely. No, I agree with you that it's a it's a middle finger. But at the same time, like Spider-Man three is a big middle finger to Sony. And that's not an enjoyable movie to watch. <laughs> and I don't think watching someone just hate fuck a movie or like <laughs> or or just give a middle finger to like who someone who clearly doesn't want to be making this i, I don't think, think that's i think it's fun and i don't i don't want that for her <laughs> i think that the first half of the movie it's, it's you can almost see it happen where lana is making this movie like you can see her in the writer's room at least like fuck you fuck you fuck you actually I do have something I want to say. And like it, this, a switch flips and the plot takes off. And I know that you said that it was a lackluster ending, but I think in the, the last half, the last half of the second act and all of the third act is where she was like, actually, I do have something to say. And it's really important. Uh, and I think that the matrix four, it's really important to understand in concept and context of the original matrix, which is like, you're going to know what happens. That's not what I mean. I mean that like, 1999's The Matrix literally reinvented how we do movies, mm-hmm. especially yeah. action movies. I mean, the the cultural imprint of that film, the likes of which we haven't seen since what? Jaws, maybe, you know, Star Wars, Star Wars maybe Jurassic Park, uh, like damn, like just changed everything about the way we watch movies. And also politically, people have been picking it apart for 20 years. Unfortunately, Mostly the alt-right have utilized this whole red pill, blue pill ideology in their own hate speech and vitriol to Lana and Lily Wachowski's constant chagrin, I'm sure. Fuck yeah. you both on Twitter. I love that. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So this is, I think, Lana's chance to reclaim the language of this movie and just make it really fucking clear that this is not for you at all. And that's what I liked so much about it, I guess. I mean, I was just giddy laughing the whole time. Um, 
And no, the action sequences are completely uninspired. It is yeah. there, there. There's no visual language about the action that's interesting at all, which is funny and weird to me because the Wachowskis literally invented the way that we do cool action now. Um, right. And maybe Lily was a huge part of that, or yeah, maybe Lana was just wasn't interested in that. The original stunt choreographer's dead. The guy who did all the stunt choreography True. for the original mm. trilogy, he died, unfortunately. But Chad Stahelski was right there. He was literally in the movie. I know he's <laughs> Like, hey, man. Um, so I will give you that, but I, I honestly don't think that was that was part of it. Um, but let's get into spoilers. I want to read something, somebody way smarter than me, and just see what you guys think. And then we'll jump in to find an Easter eggs and stuff, because that'll be fun. Yeah. You are entering spoiler territory. You're bullshit. Bullshit. Uh, so this is from um, film critic David Ehrlich. Uh, I've read his stuff on this to defend myself before. I've read his stuff before on the show. Um, but I was reading his review and it was like actively attacking people that didn't like it in a way that I found really ballsy and interesting. Uh, he gave it four and a half stars. And this is a guy who actually normally hates out of 10, right? No, <laughs> out of five. Uh, he normally hates a lot of stuff that I really like. Uh, and so this is interesting to me. But and I might read this too much of this. Just stop me if it's getting boring, but because I have no way to know. Anyway, this is from David Ehrlich. Um, stop. No I'm kidding. <laughs> he writes. Uh, he writes. It, do that you too. can find this full article at Vulture. I should say that as well. So he starts like this. It's fitting, maybe even fate, that Spider-Man No Way Home should be the biggest and virtually only movie in the world on the week that The Matrix Resurrections is released. Both are mega budget meta sequels that feed on our collective familiarity with their respective franchises. One is a poison. The other, it's antidote. One is a safe plastic monument to the solipsism of today's studio cinema, an orgiastic celebration of how studio filmmaking has created a feedback loop so powerful that it's programmed audiences to reject anything that threatens its perfection and to clap like seals for anything that reaffirms it, even if that means cheering for the unexpected return of heroes and villains they were once eager to leave behind. So obviously it's... He's making it pretty clear which one he's talking about is the mm, poison. The Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> the other is a jagged little red pill of a blockbuster that exhumes its intellectual property. Jagged. A little Alanis Morissette yes. there. <laughs> with, he's such a good writer, even if I don't agree with him sometimes. With such a pronounced sense of deja vu that the comforts of its memory start to feel like the bars of a cage and the perfect circle of its feedback loop blurs into a particle accelerator spinning faster and faster in order to create something new and romantic. One is a crowd pleasing testament to the idea that even or especially the biggest fictions can shrink our imaginations the other is an, a fun ultra sincere galaxy brain reminder that we can only break free of the stories that make our lives smaller by seeing through the binaries that hold them in place um and so i wanted to read that part because it is such at odds with the way that you felt and I just find that fascinating. So yeah, he's using adjectives that I would not throw towards this movie, like jagged. What the fuck? <laughs> this particle accelerator. This movie is jagged in the sense of like a pizza cutter. It's all edge, but no point. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I just found that That's fascinating because he's basically saying the opposite of what you were saying, right? Like at least this movie has heart and has, you know what I mean? And you were like, this movie's fine. It's just unfortunate that there's no, there's no soul in it. Right. Yeah. I think this, I, and like I said, I think in the story, like on paper, there is heart in there. It's just the directing and the, somewhere in the direction and the editing on the cutting room floor, they didn't give it that. There's mm -hmm. just a lot of blase to the way 
that film kind of concludes. I don't that's, see that's any fair. heart with the Merovingian standing in the rafters going, hey, hey, hey fuck you guys. Yeah. I'm leaving. He's literally just in the rafters going like, ah, oh, we used to have art, but now we only get sequels. It's like, okay, film critic that mm. wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's literally just there to just be as on the nose as possible with, isn't it unfortunate how the last 20 years have transpired? Mm-hmm. Um, he goes on, if No Way Home is the snake eating its tail with such reckless abandon that it fools itself into thinking it's full, the Matrix does Directions is the rare blockbuster that dares to ask what else might be on the menu. It's the boldest and most vividly human franchise sequel since The Last Jedi. Well, hey, at least he liked The Last Jedi. Jedi. It will likely prove the most divisive as well. Um, which is definitely the case. Yeah, I've so seen far a lot of people movie. compare this movie to The Last Jedi, but to me, this movie is so much more Rise of Skywalker than anything. Yep. Dang. Yeah. Where it, I mean, there literally is a forced dyad at the end of this fucking movie. So it's like... <laughs> that's why I think it's Rise of Skywalker more than Last Jedi. I will say I liked a lot. Uh, like early on, I when the whole video game thing, I was like, uh, whatever. But uh, when he starts having these freakouts, like, what is real? Am am I having? Yeah, that was good. Am I just imagining this? Am I mentally ill, or did this really happen to me? Yes, that was a lot of fun. I think that was probably my favorite part. Of yeah, it. yeah, um, that was good. Once we jump into the uh, the matrix, the real world proper, and we get like Jada Pinkett Smith in her old makeup, and uh, that was her, right? Jada Pinkett Smith. Yes, that was her. Niobe. Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, here's all these uh, ancillary characters that have no motivation whatsoever, and they just want to like who? Um, like uh, the. The one that is the, I am in love with everything Neo, and I'm almost like a historian of Neo, and I really want to be a part of this. Uh, he he has no... Oh, like either. guy that's just in there for like two minutes. Yeah, the, the crew of whatever... Um, like, that's why he's on the ship. ship. Yeah, the crew of the ship is so forgettable. There's or, literally a member of the crew on the poster for The Matrix, and when I saw the poster after I watched it, I was like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> I can't even remember who that is. Or yeah. like the pilot. The pilot was so much fun in the original Matrix, and I cared about Tank. him and his family, and he like they were real lifers. They they never lived in The Matrix. They were born in Zion and stuff, and like I cared about that. Yeah. Um, and I, I, the pilot for this one shows up occasionally, and it's like, oh, we, we don't have to use phone booths anymore it's like okay. which i missed thanks, i missed thanks for explaining that. first off i think it's impressive because i was always curious about how this would happen i was like first off after watching revolutions i don't understand how there is a matrix yeah but i'm willing to just give it a shot i also wonder how it's going to work because cell phones were so new and primitive and that like you still had phone booths and the internet was so new and primitive and the whole idea of like jacking in and all that stuff wow, I only know about jacking off. What's this about, yeah. right? And pretty um, much it, it came from the era of dial-up internet. And so it yes. made sense. You had the little dial-up internet noises. So I was curious. I think they did a really good job from that respect because mm-hmm. you've got uh, the portals back to reality, aka whatever reality is. Am I right, boys? Uh, can happen wherever. <laughs> and I like the whole idea that Tank is not just an earpiece now. He's like oh, he literally standing there. Yeah, I like that. Um, I even liked what they did with like the new robots and how the old sentinels are kind of now sentients and they're like what like new ship was part robot and that was really neat like yeah a like tail and it, stuff it's a whole new culture now like they acknowledged like what neo did was not for naught it's just a new thing going on now I, but yeah i also i don't understand how there is a matrix i'm not sure who they're at war with they're like at some point they're like yeah we kind of ran out of energy and they're sort of fighting each other 
and maybe they're also fighting us. Well, basically what I took from it, and I need to watch this movie again. Every Wachowski movie has a lot. They're cornballs. I'll be the first. I love their movies. They are Mm cornballs. V for Vendetta is one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm -hmm. I love Cloud Atlas. I love The Matrix. Speed Racer. They didn't start getting the confidence of. Hey, people love Speed Racer. People do. They didn't start getting the confidence of who they were as filmmakers until like a, a like reloaded is where they started just being like, fuck it. This is how we are. Love is the answer to life. You know, and like I remember as a kid being like, Oh, what? <laughs> I am the key maker. Did the cake just make him have an orgasm? It did. I barely know what that is, but I still like this. I think I um, like cake. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so there's a lot of that in this movie, but have, being a huge fan of sense eight, I'm used to that. And I'm just mm. like, I love how much they love, love, mm. uh, <laughs> I love, love so much. Um, so, Anyway, I'm circling back, that's what I think that this movie is. Is like if there's a the first half is a big fuck you to Warner Brothers. We're literally just going to splice in footage from the first movie. Mm-hmm. I got Keanu because he's my dude. He'll do whatever. I do want to say uh, in regards to the splicing in footage of the original movie, the first I don't know two thirds of the movie. Every time they would cut back and show a splice of the old movie, I kept thinking like, you don't need to do this. I know. <laughs> stop doing this I rem- I've seen these movies I remember right. who Morpheus is and then like in the last third a character shows up and I'm like and who's they, that the, the little <laughs> they girl cut to the little girl from Matrix Revolution like oh thank god they cut to her because I would not have made that connection uh, yes saucy <laughs> oh, what's I'm cool like, to Sean's credit I was watching with my buddy Sean and as soon as the the woman I was like he's like that's the spoon girl and I was like <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn. Um, good on him. Deep man. cut, man. Pretty solid. There were so many little moments in this movie that I loved. Um, I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I agree with Steve. I think I'm oppo of Andy because I really did like this movie, but I really did not like Yahya Abdul Mateen or Jonathan Groff in their respective roles. I love those people. They're phenomenal actors, but they, yeah. they just didn't fit in my idea of the Matrix universe at all. I have like, like Hugo Weaving was fucking terrifying. And yeah. Jonathan Groff, I'm like, just, just hit him. Yeah. Just hit him. Just, <laughs> he's he's going to crumble like a fucking flower. He, well, he's like the Silicon Valley version right. of Agent Smith. Which I just was still fun. understand why Agent Smith is even in this movie. I don't what understand. Is the, what is his point? Yeah, I don't That's one thing I don't understand. Goal was. Not he's just, just like. The, not what's his point, like from a writing perspective. How is it possible? Exactly. Because the yeah. old Matrix doesn't exist. They, they acknowledged they, that they were, they purged it. So a lot of these yeah. uh, synthetic consciousnesses don't exist anymore because mm-hmm. of that like the oracle's gone how the fuck is a virus that was in the matrix in the new matrix that got obliterated by the people who maintain the old matrix right. why would they keep him around or did they say that they recreated him too because he's important to neo they did say they recreated him but again well, then it's that's how he's things, there but it's one of those things where it's like well we have trinity in the matrix because the two of them together power the matrix right and we have to kind of keep them just out of reach so their anguish fuels like the matrix but then Agent Smith is here just to be that extra little stick that pokes the rat in the cage that is Neo. And it's like, you don't need to do that. Apparently they do because they say they do because it was a way to bring Smith back. You just have Jonathan Groff just be like, hey, I'm Agent Jeff (laughs) and that's my role is I'm I'm here to to poke you. I agree. I kind of wish it had either been someone else or just no one. Yeah. Because without Hugo Weaving, there was no nostalgia dopamine at all right and if yeah. it was a completely separate character you could just buy in like oh that's his role he's there to poke that stick i just Whereas looked at you, him as a separate character if you look at him as like oh that's supposed to be age of smith then that invites so many more questions and confusion that mm-hmm. this movie already has too much question and confusion well at it, first they yaya abdul mateen plays agent smith 
And right. he was like an, an amalgamation of Morpheus and Smith. And that was really fascinating. I, my head was trying to grapple with that. And then you see Jonathan Groff going to grab the gun and you're like, these motherfuckers. Uh, like I immediately knew the way that the water was hitting the floor yeah. the same way and stuff. Um, there was so many little, like, the, I, I think there's some genius filmmaking in here, guys. It, like, there's a point, and I'm sure you're like, it's not genius. It's super on the nose and stupid is maybe what you were thinking. But <laughs> there's a point where Keanu Reeves is eating a steak, like Cypher, from the scene where he famously negotiates with Agent mm-hmm. Smith. Mm-hmm. And it's just going, going to show that he's... bliss. Yeah, he's just completely ignorant, enjoying his life. Maybe he doesn't even want out. And he's just sitting there eating a steak. And it's it's showing this montage of his daily routine of taking the blue pill. Um, and then Neil Patrick Harris as the analyst, while he's being his therapist, he has these like blue sun, uh, eyeglasses on. Mm-hmm. There's all this like blue iconography and imagery throughout the film of people who just want to be where they're at. Um, he's Keanu Reeves is drinking from a blue liquor bottle at one point. Yeah. Just little touches like that where I was like, I, I'm really digging and appreciating what's going on right right now um and also i'm coming at it from a place i'm a huge sense eight fan so seeing all those actors was a huge plus for me uh I'm, i adore jessica henwick so i'm just yeah in rapt i love, attention of bugs the whole time i loved her yes. I, I wish the movie i wish this was a matrix movie just about her yeah doing her mm-hmm. thing because she was she had the best look um her character was super interesting and as soon as it becomes like the neo uh, Trinity show that it loses something because that character is so good from the jump. Mm-hmm. And when she gets kind of pushed to the sidelines toward the end, it's, it's, it's at the movie's detriment. I feel. What did you guys think about it turning into a heist movie for the like 20 minutes towards the end? I really loved They're it. Like, Hey, here's the plan. We're going to sneak in this way. Now this is your job. And you got the robot like, that looks like toothless from how to train your dragons. Going to go in the there. fucking <laughs> bird robot. I was like, Oh my God. Okay. Uh, and the CGI on that was particularly bad, uh, which I was really surprised yeah. by. Um, that also cool little bug did you robot. Notice, I love the bug robots. Yeah. Did you notice how many like deep fake moments there were where it's like, that is a CGI Keanu Reeves on screen right now. Like, like a close up of his face. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, why did you do that? I didn't notice that. Yeah. It happened several times throughout the movie i thought it was interesting in the beginning when they replay the opening scene of the first matrix but it's clearly like uh uncanny valley carrie ann moss it's not her but it's someone who looks just slightly off of her Mm -hmm. to where you're kind of like what is this what why yeah like oh it's a modus yeah like oh in the opening where they literally shot for shot recreated the movie that was neat i thought that was interesting because they're going for making you like what this isn't right something's wrong modal Mm -hmm. Modal. Oh, yeah. There you go. Um, John but, was like, what's a modal? I feel like I'm supposed to know. I was like, definitely not supposed to know that. It's like coding stuff. I'm sure it's you fine. You know, Minesweeper? <laughs> <laughs> That's also a fun, interesting thing. That So the whole concept of the modal and the uh, it, morph of Agent Smith and Morpheus that we ultimately get with the Eye of Abdul Mateen. And first, we also have to acknowledge his wardrobe. Best part of the movie. Uh, all, all, all looking like the Joker halfway. All, all of his fucking suits and stuff. He looked like <laughs> yeah, he looked great the whole time. It's just not Morpheus as but, I know and love him. But. Right. Yeah. So like I again, kind of like with uh, Jonathan Groff's character, I just looked at him as a new character. That's kind of a nod to yeah. uh, what what came before uh, the young new hip version of it. Uh, but so essentially. Keanu Reeves and maybe this is still him like being the one and he can do whatever he want within the matrix. And I love the lore of this. And that's probably part of I know what I'm you're getting little, at. And I agree. He wrote him into the matrix and then so the, that he the could real, activate him. Then the real worlders extracted him to actually use him. And I yeah. think that that's cool. And I think that is his oneness coming. It through. was like his subconscious created this to break himself out. Like, yes. I'm going to need 
this, I need a Morpheus to kickstart me mm-hmm. for sure. Like, yes. And that's, what's so cool about it. And I think, um, again, this was Lana very, it's very important to her that she take the language of this philosophy back from people who she abhorrently disagrees with. And that's the point of this movie. Like, you know what? The one is actually both of them. Yeah, that's right. A fucking woman. They are the two. And well, it's the one is their love, right? It's their relationship. The two become the one. And that is because the only thing that can Ah, break you out of that cycle is love guys. Damn it. Don't you get it? I almost uh, played a trick on you guys because we were like, what what music are we going to play to lead into this segment? And I, and we were like, oh, play the Rage Against the Machine song. And I almost like unbeknownst to you guys put on Power of Love by Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs> but I, I should have put on Will Smith's Just the Two of Us. I Just thought you were talking dropping uh, Spice Girls to become one. Uh, that's even better now that we're Damn it. on it. I can't believe you know more than the one Spice Girls song. That's amazing. Right? Tell me what I want, what I really, really want. That's uh, the one I'm talking about. So, do we have any idea why Jonathan Groff showed up in the climax? He said, Hey, by the way, I'm on your side, guys. Deus Ex Groffina. <laughs> nice. Well, because Agent Smith is technically also a prisoner of this matrix and he wants out. Agent Smith is the Joker of the Matrix universe. And he does things get just, out at this point. He's a dog chasing cars. You wouldn't know what to do with him. Uh, at this point, he can get out because now they have the technology. They have the means to pull the programs out. And like that's part of we see IO, the world that the humans live in now. Uh, they with are the live not just with machines, but with uh, programs. They're growing strawberries. Well, yeah, yeah. The program right. it has a physical form. It's like yeah, it's like a little it's, it's nanobot like, thingy. Yeah, it's like Clara in the Sun that what, I was talking uh, earlier. What's that noise that nanobots make? <laughs> exactly. They're kind of buggish. They always so, have been in this universe. Yeah. If there's a Matrix Five, we might get him in the real world, being a little ball man. I I really like. Again, this movie is not maybe not even going to be in my top 10, but I really think there is something special about this movie in the sense that it is a legacy sequel that pokes fun of the existence of legacy sequels, but also isn't completely devoid of any love for itself or what it's trying to do. Mm -hmm. It tries to make an effort. It's not just going to even though it literally revisits. I think that the clips of the original Matrix are a joke. Like, this is what you want, you fucking idiot. <laughs> right? Isn't this fine? Don't you, do you remember? Do you remember? And I then remember. it says something else. Like, haha, gotcha. I actually have a statement that I want to make. That's how I took it. Everything that, and not just, just completely write off, like I could be wrong, but I felt like everything that you hated was on purpose. And you're supposed to like laugh at it mm-hmm. with them, with Lana. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. isn't this funny how the idiots want this? <laughs> and like jerking you off. You but I'm I mean? sitting there like, I do want that. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's like, but I have more to say about this. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What did you think about uh, Keanu's powers in this? They kind of stripped him of everything mm-hmm. except for stopping bullets. Where he goes to fly. <gasps> nope. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he that. does the whole, he puts his yeah. hand on the yeah, up yeah. in the air and he kind of does a little jump. Like, hey, nope, not, not going to happen. Not happening today. Out of practice because well, you have Trinity de- can fly now. You have to depower Superman. I mean, it wouldn't be an interesting movie if Neo just came out of the gate with all his Neo powers. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why Re- Reloaded's weird, you know, because they're yeah. like, let's we just need ten thousand Smiths. Is the only way it's going to be interesting. There's, there's, <laughs> there's literally one line in Reloaded that makes me laugh every time. It's the first time they start fighting agents, and not even Agent Smith. It's just one of the regular agents, which 
you know, the first movie sets up that he should just be able to blow through those guys now. And he starts fighting them and one of them punches him. And then Neo goes, oh, upgrades. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, upgrades. That's why you can't blow through these guys now. (laughs) Upgrades with two Ds for a double dose of that pimpin'. (laughs) Right. I did like, uh, um, so things I did like about this movie, um, I didn't like the exposition dump that this is in the scene that this is in, but I really, and I, this is a pretty controversial take apparently because I've seen people online hate this, but um, I was looking in this movie for anything visually neat that they would do. Cause you know, you had the bullet time stuff that they invented all that stuff. I didn't think they would reach those heights, but I was looking for any sort of visual um, uniqueness. And mm-hmm. the, 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 the one that I liked was when Neil Patrick Harris's character, the architect, who's kind of the analyst or the analyst, I'm sorry. Ar- the architect is, uh, concordantly as, as Colonel Sanders. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Uh, it's Will Ferrell. <laughs> it's Will Ferrell. <laughs> no, he's the analyst. Um, I know what you're going to say. So he, he controls the matrix now. Um, he has this exposition dump with Neo and he's like, you know what? I'm going to beat you with your, at your own game bullet time. And it's really the only time the movie where we get, bullet time and all it is used for is for him to kind of walk around and expose you know drop exposition and but but he's moving at a weird frame rate compared to everyone else so he's jittering around and he looks like old tech in a way yeah and i thought that was an inspired choice because like oh i wouldn't have thought of that that's i actually kind of like and some people have been saying it looks weird but like yeah, that's what it does look weird, but it pays off. So, and I like, I, and I knew what you were going to say because it pays off when Jonathan Groff shows up at the end because they're doing the bullet time with the jittery frame rate, Neil Patrick Harris, and then Neil, uh, Jonathan Groff comes in at normal frame rate and he can move through it totally normally. I thought that paid off super well, just like as a visual gimmick. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I also like the idea of swarm mode where he's just activating instead of people transforming into agents. Now you can, you can literally flip a switch and everyone in the city, their eyes I love go green and they become basically crazy zombies from world war z mm-hmm. but they're like jumping out of buildings like, and dive that was so them. funny because i'm ashamed to admit it right but i'm one of those guys that plays call of duty a lot and so in Warzone, if you don't play video games there's this thing before the game starts called a pre-lobby mm-hmm. and you basically get to run around as your characters like pre-com. shooting each other yes it's very similar <laughs> shooting each other for no reason there's no points or anything before the actual game starts and in this pre-lobby what most people do, because you jump, you still fly down with parachutes and stuff. Nine out of ten people are going to try to suicide and land on other players because that's fun. So you can fall to your death near other people and your body will actually slam into the ground, freak them out and explode in blood and stuff. But you try to land on them. All right. And it's just like, ah, almost got him. And it's this <laughs> dumb thing all my friends do. So during that scene in the movie, they're all just jumping out of the windows trying to like body grenade him <laughs> i was fucking giddy with laughter like oh it's like the i wonder if lana plays call of duty and was like wouldn't this be interesting um and i wonder if like the swarm is an on the nose hive mind jab um or kind of a critique of social media and society when you don't like something it's like well everybody just i'll just quote tweet it and get everybody to pile on this fucking guy because i <laughs> disagree with him that's the way i took it and that's the those are the kinds of things that made me like this movie because mm-hmm. this is like i think that before you judge it too harshly and not you you can do whatever you want I, you guys watch a ton of movies you're really smart people but what i mean is that like thank you there's a part of me that's like this is lana wachowski how dare I, before I think real long and hard, say that this isn't great, right? Because this is one of the smartest cinematic people on the planet. Let me just think real long and hard. 
about what the intentions might be or give them a little extra benefit of the doubt, you know, and mm-hmm. their shit doesn't always work for me. Like I said, they're cornballs. Yeah. I um, like maybe 2% of their movies. So that's a low percentage. Well, I there's only know. like seven movies. Well, I for Vendetta and like Matrix. Okay. That's like 39%. Okay. Cloud <laughs> Atlas is pretty dope. But uh, to be fair, I haven't seen that one. So. I haven't seen Speed Racer, but I, 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 I heard it's one of those cult things that ages very well. That's what people tell me. I remember not caring for it when it came out. But maybe if I see it today, I'll have Isn't a Isn't Jupiter Ascending a Wachowski movie? It is, and it's, it's terrible. terrible. Yeah. It's real bad. It's fucking uh, Eddie Redmayne in that movie. <gasps> I will destroy your Eddie parents. Redmayne is a goober, and I will. Andy knows this about me. I feel I very him. strongly he's a goober. Yeah. He's um, a goober. <laughs> I do. I do like Eddie Redmayne because he does do weird shit like that in all of his movies. Like you watch Fantastic Beasts, and he's just like, "I'm going to play this guy on the spectrum." Yeah, and then you have his villain in Eddie in a Jupiter Ascending. Like even though it's like. You could say like, oh, that's a bad performance. I don't think it's a bad performance. It's a choice. <laughs> he made a and choice. He's there. dedicated he's to it. He's a young, handsome Nicolas Cage, for sure. I will destroy your planet. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking weird. But uh, I love the kung fu fight with uh, Morpheus is fighting Neo. Flashback, and they they have their little their little moment. And that's when he should have said, "I still know kung fu." For some reason, he says it like twenty minutes later after it's well established that he still knows kung fu. Yeah, he's just like <laughs> just had to say it, and it's like, yeah, we threw that in for the trailer. Yeah, obviously, there's none of the fun of the original Matrix of like, and how could there be? I mean, it's mm-hmm. like nobody had seen anything like that at the time, and now because of that movie, there's a ton of shit like that. Mm-hmm. And so, how do you re- retread that? Break new ground? Everyone else has done it. It's yeah. interesting, like if you watch the first matrix or even yeah like the leg sequels of the matrix there's already a hundred of them right i mean like even if you so if you watch the first matrix and even reloaded and revolutions Revolutions. i always get revolutions isn't it weird they came out the same year yeah it's like six months weird between each other but even if you watch those movies um they they've all had these really philosophical really deep ideas Mm -hmm. that maybe you don't pick up on right away. Christ imagery, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But the movie is the genius in the movie is it kind of tricks you like, Oh, I want to go watch them action scenes again. And you, and you want, and you just rewatch the movies a bunch of times you go for the action, but then you leave with a better of an understanding of there was certainly less, less sugar with this medicine with resurrections. Yeah. With this one. Yeah. There, there might be like a really great theme, but But I don't know if it'll, it'll, it'll pick up because few people are going to revisit because I mean, the revol is it revolutions i'm so sorry revolutions Revolutions and reloaded are vastly inferior films Mm -hmm. but i think like reloaded to me has one of the best car chase scenes in movie history absolutely um the 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 fight scene at the merovingians mansion is like really really cool and that kind of bleeds into the 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 fight scene the big Um, foyer the big foyer uh there's some really amazing practical effects work happening in revolutions that i think people don't like give it enough credit um like the like uh what's it called zion the city where when all the mechs are fighting on that big like all that's practical Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's really impressive stuff that they're doing in that movie and and you kind of go back and you pick up and i really i even i even like the scene with the architect even though it's like super ponderous and uh he's using all these like convoluted terminology but i there's there's a sinisterness to that scene and and it kind of shakes up the world whereas this one like i feel like okay the matrix story has already been told and this movie doesn't do a good job of setting up, okay, what are we fighting now? Mm-hmm. What is the point now? And, and I think that's that's the unfortunate thing. I think now what we're fighting, Stephen, is apathy, lack of originality, or, or, or care that there is none. 
Uh, we're fighting uh, bigotry, misappropriation of ideas. Mm-hmm. We're fighting propaganda. Um, and I think that and Neil Patrick Harris's cat Lana was deja vu. Remember, <laughs> Lana was just completely disinterested in packaging in a way anybody could mis misuse, right? Because I don't think any. It's uh, it's it's so interesting that you say all this stuff because like I don't like I can see where someone can pull those out of, but I don't necessarily agree with most of the things that like I, if if she's trying to say like this is a reappropriation of my story, I don't even really get that because I feel like it's not even bold enough to make that because they somebody instance, literally rebuilds Neo and Trinity and feeds off the power of it. Because it doesn't work without them. But that's, right? to me, that's more of a social commentary on the corporate side of things. There's that too. I mean, the whole, I love the whole idea that it's a corporation that runs this because basically the analyst, his character is like, yeah, the my, higher num- ups. my numbers are great. The higher ups there. Yeah. You know, what? like I'm going to get fired if like that, that all of that is intentional too. Mm-hmm. But I, the one thing that was added that I really appreciate is the whole, and it's always been there, but it's explicit in resurrections is that people can only be freed. Right. And we are we are in a matrix, whether we want to believe it or not, you know, not a literal simulation, maybe that there is an argument to be made that that's possible. But, you know, the whole like time is a construct, my whole job, nine to five insurance, car insurance, all this bullshit. It's none of it's real. And I do choose to be a part of it. Right. Mm. None of us can be freed unless we choose to be freed. Right. And so that that whole thing is is hammered into this movie. And I think that's the ultimate theme and takeaway is like Neo, we can't free him his mind, you know. He won't survive unless he chooses it. He has to take the pill, right? Yeah. Or Trinity, she doesn't have to literally take the pill, but she has to make the choice or it won't work, right? Like mm-hmm. the the spoon girl's very explicit about that. Um, I think that's that's what's neat. And I think that's what Lana is ultimately trying to say with this movie is like there is a way out, but some people don't want that. And we always knew that with Cypher, but I think mm-hmm. this movie is more about blowing that whole idea up. It's like some people are very okay and and purposefully not knowing the truth. And that's the mm-hmm. problem. I can see that. And I love those types of themes and I love that they were included in this. I just wish they did it in a better matrix story. Yeah. I wish they would have like, cause uh, there's so much happening in this movie. I wish they would have like maybe drop all of the corporate shit and focus more on that story. Mm-hmm. I can see that because a lot of that's like, we would love to suck. I, I know I, I would love to suck Warner brothers dick for a living. Hey, oh, absolutely. Like, can you not? Please give me a hundred million dollars to go make a matrix sequel. I would love to (laughs) please Warner brothers present that package. I I'll make matrix nine, right? I'll, I'll be a PA on it and just get me out of this life. No. Um, So it's it's really hard to like identify with that struggle, but I, I could see that give a couple movies under my belt. And all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? Fuck the man. I got shit to say, you know, I am curious though. Cause like Lon Wachowski while having this, uh, you know, fuck the man, fuck you, fuck Warner Brothers. I didn't want to do the same way. Probably left with about thirty million dollars in her pocket. Oh, for, for sure. sure. She took she you took know. it to the bank. Good for her. Yeah, good for her. Right. And so, I think it's funny too. Lawrence Fishburne tor- turned this down so he could go make. I thought he didn't the MacGruber did, show. Really? I, I, I thought he wasn't even offered anything. I, I don't know. I just I heard I, I read a tweet about it, but I had assumed that everyone was approached. And no, I, 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 he was in an interview where someone asked him and he was like, Oh no, they haven't asked me to they be haven't called it. me. So <laughs> they Aww. definitely didn't hit up the Obino dreadlock guys. And I'm disappointed. <laughs> disappointed. I really would have liked to have seen Hugo weaving for yeah. sure. There, I did want to make one point. Um, 
kind of going back to like bringing this, these messaging. It smells. Sorry. <laughs> the, the, no, in the first matrix, uh, do you guys remember the character, um, switch? Yes. yes. The woman, not like this, yeah. not like this. <laughs> yeah. So apparently originally, um, her name is switch because the whole conceit was like in the real world, she's a man, but in the matrix, her, you know, thought representation of herself is a woman. Interesting. And that was supposed to be the point of that character. But I guess back then there was, you know, you know, it was made in the late nineties. So I, I assume back then there was a studio exec like, uh, no <laughs> gross, uh, which fucked that person. But I think that's a really cool idea. And I would have loved more stuff like that yeah. in the movie. Cause I really think that's neat. And also, and this is unrelated as well. I want to swing back to, um, specifically the the critic <laughs> saying like you know there's all this nostalgia porn going on and mm-hmm. you know this movie's so much better because it's like it's it's playing with your it's you know it's making member berries but it's like spitting in your face about it at the same time and i feel like i don't know there's part of me feels like saying look at all these sequels and all that isn't that dumb we shouldn't be doing that and to me that's like well yeah you're also not making a good point like that's duh uh but at the same time all the the member berries cameos whatever you want to call them in spider-man those for instance spider-man those serve the plot like these additions are serving the character plot and their motivations going forward like they serve a purpose to the story whereas in this movie they're literally they literally bring back the mirror vision for a scene who serves no fucking point in the movie but to just be crazy and yell shit in the background and just we need an action scene to split up the timing and it's just like this movie is just as guilty as these other movies and they're just there's just this uh high-minded pontification about it which i think is giving people this like oh see this movie is way more smarter than all these other it's really not it's, it's way more thing. smarter <laughs> it's the same thing I can they're, see they're that. just as guilty but they're just making a point of saying like isn't this bad we're smart and it's like you're the same thing yeah uh, i don't know i that's that, that, that's fair yeah the smugness that people accuse Adam McKay. I was of. thinking of Adam McKay the whole time. Were you? Yeah. <laughs> like, like you're basically saying that he is what people are saying. Don't look up is <laughs> one, one of the winks that I will say is interesting. And I actually kind of like is that early on with all of the reuse and retreading of the original matrix, not just like showing the original footage, but when we recreate some things, not just like the Trinity, uh, being attacked by the police since your men are already dead. But uh, we, we, we get like a hint of the um, the the bank sequence uh, where all like the the shooting in the yeah, after the, the, the lobbies are exploding. Oh, yeah. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. That happens in the uh, Silicon Valley office and it's very similar to that. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of Lana saying like, hey, no, I could do this if I wanted but I'm not gonna. And so like we get little hints of it. I'm like, oh, I really wish you'd. Yeah, there's a there's a scene where I think it's Neo getting his ass beat by Agent Smith. Um, and it's reminiscent of when Morpheus got beat up by Agent Smith in the original, where the arms were moving so fast that oh, there was like, like six basement. of them. And it, you, the, the same bathroom with the tile walls where Neo was hidden in the wall behind him. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, that was cool. It was the same overhead shot of like the punch in the stomach thing. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Oh, yeah. I really like that. Um, ultimately, The Matrix is one of the greatest movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And it meant a lot to me. I can very vividly remember, and I'm going to wax boringly about personal stuff here. but Wax, baby. I remember coming home from school and my dad, and I was a little chubby loser kid, and my dad tossing me 
the movie warehouse rental of the matrix uh, that he had rented. He had watched smoking some weed with my mom the night before. And so when I got from school, he tossed it to me and was like, that movie was badass. You're going to like it. And I was fuck what? 11 or something, I guess. Uh, probably 11. Right. Um, I was like, cool. And I put in a little VHS player with my fucking huge 19 inch TV in the living room. Monster. <laughs> got the couch pillows on the floor laid down, got some grippos and some A&W root beer. And oh, listeners, if you don't know what grippos, <laughs> and I was just in tra- like, what the fuck is this? And I didn't understand anything about uh, Christ allegory mm-hmm. or anything like that. All I knew was that this is something I'd never seen before. And it was incredible. I'd never seen cameras do that. I had no concept of the fact that people even filmed movies. So, you know, I just understood <laughs> that pictures were on screen. Right. And I just like, I don't know how these pictures are on screen, but I'm really well, digging it. it. Why bullet going so slow? How'd they do that? You know, <laughs> why do, <laughs> because I mean, the computers weren't even that much. I didn't have one. So I was just like, what the fuck? You know? Um, and this movie was not that mm. I didn't expect it to be that. No. Uh, I don't think you did either. Like, how could it be? No, there's but no way. I was curious, like with the pedigree that it was coming up to, um, you know, anyway, I did, it's like I said, it's not going to be one of my top 10 of the year. I really appreciate it for what it is. And I think that there, you know, art always reflects life and there's always a context in which to view art, like, you know, all the way back to high school where you need read, uh, of mice and men or something, you know, you can't just read of mice and men. We're like, I don't know. I don't understand the rabbits. What the fuck that is. <laughs> right. You got to talk about it for a semester and talk about the great depression and, and really to fully understand. And then you're like, okay, Steinbeck. Right. So that's what I try I to do you with Steinbeck. Yes. Yeah, you Steinbeck. <laughs> Um, so that's kind of where I'm coming at with resurrections. Like in and of itself, it's kind of like a, something you'd get given in high school and be like, I don't, not a fan. But when you start to like unpack all the baggage of the first film and the way it was received and the way people have co-opted its philosophies and, and the context of the original matrix and how corporate structures work and how, uh, mid-budget blockbusters like the 1999 matrix really probably won't exist anymore soon and how what a tragedy that is then it starts to be like a different thing where you're all right you know far out man <laughs> that's fair um, really curious what's going on and why lily i don't know if you guys know this or why lily what didn't want to be involved or um apparently lana didn't either <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, maybe that's all that it is but interesting Lily's making something else. So a couple of Easter eggs I like. I like the steak thing. I like the bathroom thing. And we alluded to it earlier, but the whole idea of Trinity's Matrix husband being a douchebag named Chad. <laughs> yeah. That is really funny. Literally Chad Stahelski, uh, Keanu Reeves' old stunt double from yeah. the first film. Oh, and that's cool. now director of John Wick is hilarious. Yeah, that's um, pretty good. I didn't know that. Yeah, stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's like, no, this is my husband, Chad. And it's, it's his literal stunt double from the original matrix. Uh, funny stuff. I saw people bitching, like they couldn't even make him look different than in the John wick movies. So lazy. What? Who Keanu? Yeah. Oh, whatever. That's just what Keanu does. It's just what he looks like now. (laughs) The long hair and the beard. They shaved his fucking head or digitally shaved his head. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. In the, in the quote unquote real world, he's bald and clean shaven. What what, what more do you want? aged really well seeing the beardless hairless i I was honestly surprised that they actually did that i expected a haired and bearded keanu to come out of the yeah oh shit yeah he looks pretty good he ain't got no hair i i I actually really enjoyed when uh at the end of the movie when um 
what's uh, Chad's like, come on, Tiffany, let's go, Tiffany, come yeah. on, Tiffany. And she's like, don't fucking call me that, like, kicks him. I'm like, yeah, you don't use her dead name, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That, I did like that. Uh, I, I liked Neil Patrick Harris as the analyst. I yeah. He's, dude, he, MPH is always fine. He does sincerity in a way a lot of people can't. Um, like when he's still playing the therapist role. Yeah. Uh, before he has his heel turn, he he's so good. And like, yeah. Yeah. I honestly, earlier when you watched Happiest Season, which I'm glad, I thought you were about to say you watched 8 Bit Christmas. Oh, because I, I want to see that. So, because I had told you to watch that. It's so good. Is, oh, you watched it? Yeah, yeah, it's so good. And because NPH is so NPH in it. Yeah. And like the whole conceit is that he's hanging out with his daughter that doesn't want to hang out with him mm-hmm. and telling her this story, which is the movie of him getting his first Nintendo. Uh, and there's this part at the end, as it made me, you made me think of it when you said that, where she wants the story to end so she can go play on her cell phone and talk to her friends and stuff the whole movie. But now she's really into it. And he purposefully is like, all right, why don't we go take a break, get some Cheetos. You go talk to your friends. She's like, no, let me know how it ends. And he's like, Oh, you want to know how it ends? And like, he's just such like a good person. Like he's so, he's such a dad. Uh, I don't know what it is about him. He's, he's basically the real incarnation of stew from, where, what we do in the shadows. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> nobody dislikes NPH. He's yeah, such he's a good so guy. Like, no one on earth has ever been like, fuck Neil Patrick Harris. Like, I don't think no one has ever done that. Um, you know how I think this movie should have ended. The, wow. Neil Patrick Harris. What? His, Neil Patrick Harris. What? <laughs> <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris. Just curse me. It's <laughs> a spell from Harry Potter. <laughs> he, he puts his jaw back together. He looks straight at the camera and you can see Trinity and, and Keanu in the background. And he looks straight at the camera and he goes, and that's how I met your mother. <laughs> Credits roll. I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Uh, do we have anything else that we want to say about the Matrix Resurrections? Is there any word yet on there being a continuation of this? Is it? Oh, like I fucking hope not. Warner Brothers wants <laughs> Matrix Five. I'm sure Warner Brothers does. What, what would that even? What story would that be? I don't know. A new one, please. This is like the new screams coming out. And I'm like, I was really excited. It's like, it's just called scream. They're starting over. Let's fucking go. And they're like, and it's Sydney. And I'm like, I don't care. Here's the thing though. (laughs) Spider-Man no way home was great, but like it shouldn't have been. And that's what made it so great. You can't deny that we are sick of this, right? We are sick of this. Like we got Top Gun Maverick coming out and we got, Oh yeah. It's just, I just, I'm so fucking over it. And I, it's, and I don't know what to do. <laughs> and this isn't I, a therapy I can session. tell you what to do. You don't see those movies. It doesn't matter. My little, my, I'm an AMC Stubbs A-luster. I'm not even adding any money to it. That's you know, <laughs> I'm just, I'm really trying to keep the theater open by going and getting the popcorn, honestly. Mm-hmm. And there's so many movies coming out next year no one's talking about any of them. Have you guys seen this? I'm sure you did. Do you see the top 10 most anticipated films of 2022 by any chance? I did. Uh, well, who made this list? Uh, it is a list by Fandango and they polled Fandango. Six, my nemesis. 6,000 Fandango users were polled. Uh, yeah, they were. There, yeah, are, baby. there are people who still use Fandango to buy tickets, I guess. Why so do the, they hate themselves? This is the top 10 most anticipated films of next year. We don't give a shit what these people think. <laughs> Wakanda forever. Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse, the Batman. And this is in order from one to 10 Thor, love and thunder Jurassic world dominion, 
Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, Avatar 2, Aquaman, The Lost Kingdom, Top Gun, Maverick, and Mission Impossible 7. So are there Mission any of those that are 10? Mm-hmm. Okay. Are there any of those that are not Disney owned? Mission Impossible. Yeah, Mission Impossible 10, uh, 7. Uh, Top Gun, I don't think is Disney. Is it? The End of the Spider-Verse isn't either. No, that's, that's Sony. Sony. Uh, but yeah, the rest are all... Well, the four of the top five are superhero flicks. Bat, and the the and, Batman is DC. And the fifth one is Jurassic World. So it's like, okay. Um, and now, I'm not going to... I'm not being an elitist. I'm not I'm not being pretentious. I'm really excited about like six of these. Yeah, too. right. me too. That's, that's not what I mean. But there's also like... Blonde, the Marilyn Monroe and Harmas biopic that's coming out. Um, there's Havoc, which is a new Gareth Ed- Evans movie, the director's the director of the Raid movies yeah. with Tom Hardy. Um, there's a ton of shit everywhere coming out. Once. Yeah. yeah, yes, that looks amazing. Looks like my most um, anticipated. Yeah, I just think that we should be championing championing those in addition to like I'm not like a I don't have a fedora and a corn cob pipe I'm gonna be fucking front and center a Batman baby but you know I'm yeah. the next week I'm gonna go support the other movie just because I think that's important so I think that that does have to do with I think marketing too because these smaller more you know uh, unique films that aren't sequels you know they don't really have the marketing budget so it's it's a less of like a lot of people don't Everyone knows there's a new Batman movie coming out, right? Fuck, yes. everyone knows there's a fucking Morbius How movie could you coming not? out. Fuck, I want to never see that <laughs> I trailer I never want to see that trailer ever again. But, uh, and so, like, a lot of these movies, like, people just don't know they exist until maybe, like, the week before they come out, right? And so, but everyone knows. That's what we're here Aquaman. for here at Streaming Things. So, here's what yeah. I posit. I don't know if this is going to happen or not, listeners. I don't know what, how Andy and Steve feel about it. I kind of throw them under the bus said, from time to time. Hi, <laughs> Steve. I live under bus. <laughs> so next week, we're going to do I our top in the middle of the bus so the wheels did not hit me, unlike Andy. <laughs> Andy. Stupid. Uh, <laughs> if we're going to watch Speed. Is that where we're bringing all this bus imagery? Uh, next week, we're going to talk about the top 10 films of 2021. Um, how about the week after? We do our most anticipated projects of 2022 because we did that last year for this year. If that makes any sense, last year for this year. Um, game. I don't think there's anything to talk about until like Scream comes out on the 14th. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'd, I'm I'd be voting with that. my wallet on that one. I'm out. Not going to go see it? Mm-mm. Nope. Oh, wow. I'll I wasn't going to I wasn't going to see it either cuz I've never seen any of the screams other than the first one. Really? Well, I hadn't the seen 2, 3 and 4 in a long time. But I, I'll probably still watch it just cuz I got I'm an A-lister. You know me. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like all about horror films, so I got to <laughs> see them all. <laughs> I got to see them all. So maybe that's what we'll do is we'll we'll get together. We'll each pick like 10 things we're really excited about. Um, we'll talk about how that might work. I don't know. We probably need to share our lists with one another. So it's not just like, fuck, I picked Thor, Love and Thunder as well. Um, <laughs> we oh man, you too. We should have highlighted more things. Um, yeah. So let's do that. Anyway, this just becomes the Fandango. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Now I get where they're coming from. Oh, I'm man. also excited for Wakanda forever. <laughs> I made so much fun of the people of Fandango. <laughs> they are me and I am them. I am Fandango. <laughs> uh, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us. We love you very much. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. Happy streaming from Streaming Things. 